we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to episode number 175 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is April 24th, 2022. I'm Robert Ring. With me, he's back, boys. Hello. Hello. Hey, Jay, what's going on? Not too much. It's been a crazy last couple weeks, last month or so, but really happy to be back. Thank you all for your kind patience. Yeah, so you, I don't know if, if we've told any, if we've told our listeners, but you moved and that's why you weren't here. Uh, last yeah, time. Uh, yeah. My wife and I bought our first house finally because we've been waiting for a long time. So we had to move out of a rental, which anybody who's moved from a rental to a home knows that it's an absolute pain in the ass process. And landlords are landlords, so there's very high expectations of when you move out. So it was a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. We also have a pet, so it was you know managing that. And you know, it was a the place we moved from was about 45 minutes away. So there was a lot of you know, coordination, logistics, um, Robert, you're going through packing up right now. Packing is, it sucks. Like you pack up everything you can and there's still so there's much still left. So much. And, that's exactly how it, how it is. And there's so much garbage too. That, that's what, yeah. that's why like Lisa and I, we started really early. Um, and we made sure to like throw things. I made sure to make use of our receptacles every single week until we moved. Cause it was like, okay, I want to fill up our green. I want to fill up our blue every week with as much stuff as we can. Because I knew there would be so much stuff at the end. And of course, there's still so much garbage. And it's just, it's sad. We donated a lot of stuff as well. But you can't donate everything. You know, it it, it just is what it is. Especially old furniture, old electronics and stuff like that. So, yep. it was a lot. It's, it's, it sounds really weird for you to say me and my wife. <laughs> I know. I still, every time I say it, it's a little bit weird. It, people still like, they'll be like, your girlfriend, fiance, wife? I'm like, wife. <laughs> Yeah, it still it kind of still kind of throws me off, but still don't know if I actually believe you about that. By the way, I know a lot of people don't. I, <laughs> one of my coworkers, I, I said something about something something my wife on during a meeting, and she messaged me. And she's like, "You got married? You told me you'd never get married." And I was like, "I know, I know." Long story. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, well, I'm glad that you are in the new place. I'm sure you, I'm sure you have a shitload of unpacking still to do, but you're, but you're. You're all the way in and all the way out of the of the old one, right? Yeah, 
Lisa, Lisa was a great partner along the way too. So her, we're actually more or less un, done unpacking. Uh, we we are just kind of doing the project stuff right now. The house is in really great condition. So thankfully there's not a ton of stuff we have to do, but there are certain things like we're, we're so uh, one of my roommates, you know, Hunter has a cat. So we're, we're kind of getting shelves put up throughout the house. So she has like a, a spot to chill and hang out. Like little cat we need shelves. to get another cat shelves. Yeah. And we're also going to get her a cat hammock, a kitty hammock. So she has a, a nice place to lay. Um, we're going to get another dog door installed for Diego so he can go, cause the yard here is a lot bigger, which is great for him. So we're working on, uh, that piece of it. And then there's just a lot of stuff we're working on right now, which a lot, it's really exciting. It obviously costs money and we're also buying furniture. So, but overall it's uh, it's pretty darn cool. Does Diego like the cat? Um, he is very respectful of her. It's actually insane. He, he really wants to meet her. He really wants to get close to her. She's not cool with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but he knows now not to look at her. So if she walks by, yeah, like you don't make eye contact with a cat. Cats get really like defensive if you do. So if she walks by, he'll like stare straight ahead or like even look away from her when she walks by. And my favorite thing in the world is like if he is sitting somewhere and she needs to get by, she'll like creep up along the wall and walk past him. He'll look away and she'll still be like <laughs> as she's going by, just give him, <laughs> give him a passing hiss, even though he's not even paying attention to her. <laughs> That's... But no, they're doing really well so far. By our new boxer, you know, that we adopted, I guess, in yeah. yeah in December. Um, So we have a Jack Russell also, and he really doesn't want anything. He, he just, like, pretty much ignores the boxer. And and she she realizes that. But every once in a while, he'll do something. He'll, like, do some, some motion or something that makes her think that he's suddenly, that he suddenly wants to play. And when she gets that signal, she gets so excited and starts like jumping around <laughs> and he just, he's like, what the hell are you doing? He, he just like tries to back off and if she gets too aggressive, then he starts like growling at her and stuff. Um, but it, like, it's any little hint that she picks up, like, oh, is he ready to play? Does he want to play? She gets, she just starts freaking out excited. That's so funny. It's, it, animals are great. And then at a certain point, we'll probably get another, another dog, uh, at some point, probably in the next couple of years, cause we still want to deal with a lot of stuff here, but animals are just incredible. And, and Diego being in this house, he really likes it so far. And it definitely took him some time to get used to it, but he loves having the bigger backyard, which is great. Cool. Well, yeah, um, it, welcome back. Thanks. Let's talk about, so we have some big news. Yeah. The biggest, uh, po like the biggest news ever on the classic gaming podcast, maybe, which is there's going to be a new monkey Island. Yeah. I saw that and I thought it was a troll. It kind of was at first. So so Ron Gilbert, the original creator of Monkey Island, has talked for a while about how he would really like to uh, make another Monkey Island game. Uh, he so he worked on the first two, and then there were then there was three and four, and the, he had left LucasArts at that point. So those were made entirely without him. And then there were the Telltale ones, which of course were also. Uh, you know, he didn't write those either. So, and he's talked for a while about how he would like to make another Monkey Island game, but especially since Disney bought, you know, Lucasfilm and, and all, and oh. you know, LucasArts and all that, that was kind of off the table. And I think he had tried to reach out to them several times, but they weren't really interested. And, and a lot of this, and this was, when he mostly talked about this like 10 or so years ago. And this is, I don't think they actually, they ever explicitly said this, but a, a big part of 
what he suspected was also going on was that that was during the time that Pirates of the Caribbean, like the movies were really big and they didn't want, you know, something to kind of like compete with that. Yeah. So they just weren't, yeah. So they weren't interested in selling it to him or anything like that. Will on, on April fool's day, he said (laughs) he, he made a blog post that said, uh, something along the lines of, I, I really hate, April Fool's jokes. So here's a really lame one. Uh, I'm making another Monkey Island game. And uh, most people just took that for face value. Like, oh, yep, that's a pretty bad April Fool's joke. And then some people were like, did you hear? He's making another Monkey Island. And I was reading all these. I was like, you idiots. He said it's an April Fool's joke. What did you not get about that? (laughs) And then, so April Fool's was on a Friday. The next Monday, Devolver Digital tweeted, Introducing Return to Monkey Island, a new game by Ron Gilbert that picks up where Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge left off. And they've got a website and uh, and all that. So that was kind of like a double psychology joke. He actually has been working on a new Monkey Island, and it's supposed to come out this year. What a bastard. I know, what a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well put, well no way put. way better to put it. Like... Yeah, no, per- that's, that's perfect. I think it's... I th- if I remember correctly, so there have been one or two interviews with him since then that I've read. I think they've been working on it for about two years now, and wow. it is supposed to come out this year, and, it, and it, they seem very confident. Like they, He's basically said, unless there's some sort of absolute catastrophe, it's definitely oh, coming no. out this year. Or a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so he also said, so the interesting thing about this tweet is, it's picking up where Monkey Island 2 left off. so And that's where he departed, correct? That was where he departed also. And he's always said, another thing that he has always said is that Monkey Island 3, you know, starting with 3 and with 4, they went a different direction than what he hmm. would have done. And so it's interesting, one, that he's picking up with 2, but he's also said... He, he he tweeted uh, later that same day, Monkey Island 3 does not go out of canon. We were very careful about that. Murray, who is the talking skull in Monkey Island 3, Murray is in this game. So, somehow, it's picking up with Monkey Island 2. Monkey Island 3 is remaining within canon. And Murray's in the game. Uh, so, I don't know, you know, the... The question, of course, is how is he going to thread that? Is this going to be like Monkey Island 2. Point, is this going to go in between yeah, 2 and 3? Or is it going to be like some sort of... I don't know. Nobody really knows, but for but you know, just take it for what it's worth. It is picking up with number 2, but Monkey Island 3 still exists in canon. So, so it sounds like he's going to be respectful to the installments that he wasn't a part of, but... Yes. It, it, okay. I think that's the best way to take that. And again, I don't know what the specifics are of how he's going to navigate sure. that, but yes, he's, he's, he's not retconning anything. Um, I think he did say there were a few like minor kind of details that, that were going to end up being retconned just kind of like out of necessity. Okay. Um, but nothing like that's kind of, that has to be understood. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I like that's that's kind of true with like anything, you know? Um, yeah. I think he said that even, you know, when he was working on it, there were things that they ended up kind of like, they had to they had to like implicitly retcon things to make this or that sure. work. So it's just kind of like a it's it's not a matter of 
oh, I didn't like this, so we're going to say it didn't happen. It's more like this exactly. is what happen, needs to happen in the story. So if there's a, there are a few details that conflict with with minor stuff in the other games, and that's and that's okay. So uh, anyway, all uh, Monkey Island fans are very excited about this. Well, hold, hold on a minute. How excited are you? Let's start there. How, oh, dude, I'm 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 fucking pumped. Hi. I don't. I don't feel the energy. I'm sorry. I feel like part, partial, <laughs> a partial chub going on, but not a full chub. This is this is me at my most excited. I'm you know I'm not one to. Uh, I don't know what do what do what do other people do when they get really excited? I'll be honest with you. I am not somebody who's vocal, so I'm not the person. To they ask. hoot and holler. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same way. Hoot and holler. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Well, I'm really excited for you. At the, at the end of the day, I think that's really exciting to hear. Yeah, and again, it's supposed to come out this year, so I'm very much looking forward to it. There has there hasn't been any sort of announcement of pre-orders or anything like that, or whether there's they're going to have you know any sort of special editions or collector's editions or anything like that. They're, they've just said that the game is coming out this year. So that's all we know. Another game has been announced. Kingdom Hearts 4. Wait, only 4? You mean 4 and 3, 6, 1 pi? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. 4 point zero 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 Repeating negative? Yeah. <laughs> A negative repeating number? <laughs> yeah, and only the sixth zero is negative, though. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to state it incorrectly. My apologies, everybody. Um, there's no, There's no details about this. Um, all that they just announced is that I think it was like the 20th anniversary of Kingdom Hearts. You're or something kidding? Like oh yeah, it was around 2000. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. That so yeah, right. it was some anniversary, and they just announced, "Hey, we're working on Kingdom Hearts 4, uh, and also some, and also a mobile Kingdom Hearts game." Uh, stop! Don't even <laughs> don't don't say the M word to me. That's the most offensive thing you can say to me. Um, another game that has been announced. To, to to my understanding, to uh, it was kind of a very mediocre announcement. You'll know, or you probably know more about this than I do. Dragonflight, which is a new WoW expansion. Yeah, tell it's us about ninth expansion. What do you know about this? Yeah, let's talk, actually let's talk about. It. We actually have surprisingly positive news to share about Blizzard for once. Which I I I, I promise you, the podcast is not funded by Blizzard. Um, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, you would have thought, right? Um, no, but in all seriousness, so Blizzard did their... So they, they canceled BlizzCon this year. They said it was due to COVID, um, but it really was just due to all the negativity around all the issues that they've been having in the last couple of years. Speculated, speculative, but um, right. they didn't want to have... They didn't really want to be face-to-face with people, right? Um, so a couple things they announced. They announced the third... Uh, or excuse me, the second expansion of classic being re-released so the the second expansion called wrath of lich king which is where blizzard's um subscriber rate was the the hit hit its peak is the highest it's ever been um that was that expansion so they announced that they are going to re-release it it's going to come out this year and they announced some changes that they're making to it and and me being the like anti-change person i'm on board with every change that they're making the approach that they took with with this um re-release in my opinion, is extremely respectful to really? the classic. Absolutely, I, I say this genuinely. Like it's it's insane to me, but they did a phenomenal job. Like the the suggestions, they they specifically said this was the feedback we got from the community, and here's what we did with it. And I was like, okay, this has got to be like a Lady April Fool's joke. You know, some, something's got to be going on here. But no, they as of right now, knock on wood, and they've made some other announcements since then about it that have also stayed in that same tone, which is. 
exciting. I mean, it really huh. is just such a sigh of relief because Hunter and I were talking about like this this uh, Blizzard reveal that happened, whatever it was, ten days ago, is or it wasn't ten days ago. I think it was Tuesday of this week. Uh, was probably one of the most critical times for them because this is kind of like their sink or swim moment. And they definitely are making some really positive changes as it relates to the classic uh, for World of Warcraft. And for the future state, obviously, everybody knows I'm not a huge fan of Retail WoW. I think Retail WoW has been a, a dying breed for a long time. I will say, however, a lot of things they announced on paper look good, um, which is surprising. I, I want to see what that looks like as we get closer, because Blizzard's priority, in my opinion, has always been out of order. Their priority has always been money first and then the community and the quality second. And because of that, you know, that impacts the product. In my opinion, they end up losing out on money over time. But from my perspective, what they are doing is the right thing to do, uh, which is surprising to hear. The only thing they did not share this week, which I was really sad to see, is the departure of Bobby Kotick. Yeah. I'm waiting, I'm still waiting. I'm still not supporting Blizzard right now. Um, even though I'm talking very positively of them, I'm still not supporting anything they do. I'm not buying anything. I'm just staying the hell away from everything until we hear that he has been let go from the company. I expect it to happen. I can't, I'm not going to guarantee it. I expect it to happen. I, I just, do too. You know what I heard is that um, they had, I think, I don't know which side of which side it was that said this. I don't know if it was Activision or Microsoft, but one of them, somebody said that there have specifically been zero conversations between him and Microsoft so far about what the future is going to hold for him. I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. I, I actually, I assumed that to be honest with you, I was thinking about this week because so the direction they were going was, you know, just a, a really rough path before and they have really changed the direction. And it's it, what is so impressive to me is Microsoft has owned Blizzard for a couple months at best and they are understanding what the community wants more than Blizzard has over the last decade, Yeah, which yeah. is, just incredible to me. So, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge Microsoft person. I, not I, not that I have anything against them. I'm not like a, a fanboy of Microsoft. But I gotta but say, first right. impressions. Yeah, it, they are doing the things as as a consumer of their products. They are doing the things that I think are critically important. The next most important. Excuse me. No, not the next. The most important thing they need to take care of is Bobby Kotick. Yeah, without question. That to me is a bigger priority than everything else I've talked about. But I understand that there is a lot of there's a lot of speculation that his contract that he has with Activision, because he's been a part of Activision for like 26 years or something. Didn't um, he? So I thought he started it. Did he not? I don't know. I, he, he may have started. I know he's been a part of the company for, for a long time, but my understanding is his contract and his payout are so uh, concrete. It's expected yeah, yeah. that he's going to get more than a quarter million dollar payout when yeah. he does get terminated. And actually, I want to check Blizzard's stock real quick. Here it is. I've heard the. It's still down. I've heard the same things. That's still going down. That's surprising to me. Oh, is it? I'm, I'm very surprised by that. I, I think if they announce the termination of Bobby Kotick, they will see a, a bit of a breath there. But yeah, it's it's crazy to see. Uh, and the new expansion, yeah, it's it's. Uh, Blizzard did say that they are starting to run out of content, which is interesting to me. So they, this is one of like the last areas that they haven't really explored too much. I'm kind of curious what that means. What that means for the future. You know, are they going to continue to do expansions? What what are they looking at for the future? But they are definitely treading into some new waters that no other MMO has explored, given that they've you know had their product on the market for almost twenty years now, and still releasing you know large patches. So right. Okay. Yeah. We'll continue to see how that. My I I, I got this the wrong uh, feel on 
what little I read about the expansion. I thought most people were kind of meh about uh, it. But it sounds yes like... Yes or no. I mean, it, I should clarify. So, so again, I'm somebody who's not a fan of, of, of what, what they've done so far. Yes, the community so far is always... They're always meh, and then they get really excited, and then they okay. pre-purchase every single expansion, even though they don't want to play it. Right? <laughs> okay. that, is, okay. that is like the notorious thing that happens in a lot sure. of games, but specifically for, for WoW. For me, it's like, I, I think... From, from the foundation piece, from the ground, the stuff that they talked about so far, one of the big things they said, which for me really hit me right in the heart, which was they are learning from how successful the classic product has been and taking some of that feedback and applying it to the retail game, which for me, I love to hear that because I think that's exactly what they should do. As somebody who is a, a larger fan of the older iterations of WoW, I think that that is a better quality game. And by taking those aspects of it and adapting them to the new world, they could create something that nobody has seen before. So for me, that's really exciting. Again, there's no nothing concrete. You know, it's not like there's anything specific I could say that's like, oh, this is really exciting, but I'm more excited than I thought I would be coming out of the announcement regarding retail. Because I gotcha. honestly didn't care going into it. I was like, all I want to hear about is Classic and Bobby Kotick. Those are the two things I wanted to hear them talk about. So. All right. Well, oh, I almost said there's our news, but there's one more small thing. Mario Golf for Nintendo 64 has is now on the Switch Online expansion pack. Oh, cool. So uh, if you have the extra Switch Online thing, which I do not, and a lot of people think is a little bit of a ripoff, Mario Golf for Nintendo 64 is now on there. And I forgot to mention Earthbound is on the, the basic uh, Switch Online now as well. They added that a month or maybe even two ago. Um, that was obviously a lot of people have been waiting for them to do that. And every time they made an announcement and didn't say anything about earthbound, everybody's like, okay, but where's earthbound <laughs> now? I need Earth... to get Lisa to play earthbound. Huh? I need to get Lisa to play earthbound. Oh yeah. It's, you, you do need to get her to do that. Cause it's, it's one of the best. Say, so, hey, speaking of RPGs, I can't remember if we've talked about this. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast yet, but let's go ahead and do it real quick. We still have a ways to go before we get to this point, but uh, episode 200 is in the visible distant, like maybe like just barely peeking over the horizon right now at us. What, what is today's episode? 175. Okay. So at the rate we're going, it'll still be more than a year, I think, right? Because we do it every, because yeah, it'd still be more yeah. than a year before we get there. But I think for episode two hundred, you know what? Maybe we should save this. Should, should we talk about it now? I have an idea. I wonder if it should be more of a minor announcement or if we should discuss it for a second. Um, Let, let's let's save it. I'm going to save it. Sorry, okay. sorry for the teaser, okay. everybody. But I've got a really fun idea for what we're going to talk about on episode two hundred, um, and we'll. Um, We'll talk about it in more detail once Jay and I have kind of discussed it a little bit more. Uh, okay, let's talk about the games we've been playing. This episode is Game of the Quarter. It's, we're a little bit we're a little bit behind, um, but this is Game of the Quarter Final Fantasy VIII. Jay and I both played it. Hopefully, we have. I glanced through our emails. It looks like we do have a few emails about it, so that's great. That's awesome. Uh, Jay, do you want to? Talk about Final Fantasy VIII first, or uh, you probably only played this, right? Yeah. Do you have yeah. Any... So, 
Yeah, this is the. I'll share with you guys very openly. This is the first week I've started playing video games in the last couple weeks, which has uh, been really exciting because there's a lot of a lot of stuff that came out um, that I've been playing recently, or I was playing up into kind of getting ready for move. So uh, yes, I only spent a couple hours playing or doing a little bit of a refresher of Final Fantasy VIII. Um, I think actually it might be best if we kind of do it as a joint effort because I think there's probably oh, yeah. a lot of things that I'm going to miss on. Definitely. So do you want to talk about? You want to go ahead and get it out of the? I've got a few other games to talk about. Do you want to do this first or last? I'm open either or. Why do don't we feel? go ahead? I kind of feel like I'm ready to just get this one out and be done with it and put it behind me. Okay. Final Fantasy VIII came out for PS1 in 1999. Obviously, it's the follow-up to the hugely successful Final Fantasy VII. One of the best RPGs ever. And one thing that struck me right off the bat, Jay is you remember how awesome and how fast Final Fantasy VII starts? It just throws you right into it. This game could not have pulled more of a 180 on getting started. Yep. It's it's one of the slowest, even for RPGs, it's one of the worst starts to a game I've ever played. well, what's it's, even more frustrating about it for me is is even when it does get started, it doesn't really it does like a full start because like you know the big event happens, you leave, and then you think the game's just going to unravel from there, but then it just kind of goes dormant again for a while, and yeah. then it kind of picks up again at a certain point. It's just like that always blew my mind because I'm like once once you kind of get in motion, you should probably stay in motion to like pause again. It just always kind of threw me off with that game. Okay, so we'll need to talk about specifics. So I'm not sure I generally know what you're saying, but. So there were this happens actually on several different levels for me. One is when you first get control of your character after the opening like cutscene or a couple cutscenes or however much it is, you're in this like classroom and then there's a there's basically a manual on a computer for you to read about how to basically how to play the game. You did did you do this because you don't have to read it? But it tells you like how the game works. It tells you how the junction system works. It tells you how triple triad works. It tells you the rules about the facility that you're in. It's there's a section called facility rules on this computer where you're re- reading again, which is what basically amounts to a damn manual for the game. And when you go to the facility rules section, there are rules for individual rooms in the facility for you to flip through and read. Again. It is optional, but the implication is that, hey, you need to read this so that you know what's going on. So instead of throwing you into the action like they did in Final Fantasy VII, which was awesome, they yep. give you like 20 minutes of just of j- simply just reading, not even, not even reading dialogue, just reading instructions for the damn game. So then there's, yeah. th- so there's that. And then this the this I feel like so the 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 kind of uh, background of the story is you are a student at what's basically like a mercenary like a school for mercenary kids yeah, like an academy yeah it's like an academy for teenagers who are gonna grow up and be mercenaries for this uh, place called the Garden. Which is like a mercenary group, but it's not. It's it's like a, <clears throat> it, it's like a good mercenary group, and it's this big thing. The students are called seeds, 
and you're kind of in training and, and in learning for this. And they send you on, you know, a test mission. It's like, oh, but they're telling you you're about to graduate. You got to do a couple things. Um, and then you just kind of run around and do this, all this crap for a while. Like four. No, no, no it was like. Okay, I see why I almost said four. I, I wrote down in my notes four, and then I scratched it out and wrote six because yeah. <laughs> I had originally wrote that at the four-hour mark. And then at the six-hour mark, I realized the same problem was still going on, which is nothing has happened yet. Like, nothing – the story hasn't even gotten going. You're still – you're just a student running around doing the things that, they, that they're telling you to do. Like, nothing major or interesting has had happened yet at the six-hour mark. Which is just incredible, again, as we, as we started to keep comparing it back to Final Fantasy VII. But you think in the first hour, you are assaulting a reactor, yeah. killing Guard Scorpion, which is the first boss. Then you're fleeing that same reactor with a timer, which is kind of a cool, stressful event. And then you escape and you get all these cool cutscenes. Then you get to watch the, the whole thing blow up. Like it's, it's just, it's so intense until, like, yeah. Final Fantasy VII is just in motion high speed for like, I don't know, two to three hours maybe. And then it pauses for a second to get right back into it. Yep. Final Fantasy VIII is like this, just you're crawling your way through it. And the story, <laughs> the story could not be farther from interesting early on too, because yeah. they give you so much like character background, not even, they don't even give you that much, but they like allude to no. different things. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like, they don't even give you, yeah. it's like they, there's a lot of dialogue but, yeah. but nothing that really gives you any insight into the characters or anything like that. And it's not that interesting. No, it's not. Um, and then and then Sid shows up during this part, and he's a fucking nerd. Yeah, he was so cool in Final Fantasy VII. You know, in all the in, he's cool in almost every Final Fantasy. He's cool in, in yeah, he's cool in all the other ones, but especially Final Fantasy VII. He's like this really cool guy, and then he's he's like the what's his he's the uh, like the schoolmaster or something like that. Yeah, like the headmaster or something. Headmaster, I think that's what his position yeah. is. But he looks just like I mean, he, he's just, just this like middle aged, slightly overweight, just dorky looking guy wearing a wearing a damn vest like a sweater vest it, it, I feel like this is the part you're most upset about <laughs> i saw understandably him, but i saw him i was just like why did they do this to sid why did they do this to my boy sid <laughs> <laughs> that, that was what i tweeted when i saw him i took a picture and i made, i did that exact really? quote with the tweet yep <laughs> <laughs> That's it, was, it was look how they massacred my boy <laughs> Uh, uh, it's so true. He, but I will say, Sid in a lot of a lot of different Final Fantasies does have different personalities, and even like Chocobo Dungeon too. Sid, is, I like Sid next. He's like a a really intelligent engineer, and yeah, he like, usually that's, that's is an closer. engineer type character. Yeah, usually. I was gonna say, I feel like that's closer to what most people assume Sid to be. So. But and, you can, and I'm fine with you mixing it up and doing whatever with him. But sure. at least at least don't make him a loser. He just sucks. <laughs> Uh, so, so, you know, I don't even really know how much of the story I should explain. So eventually you get sent on this, a mission to go help out this princess who is the leader of some resistance group. Um, and that is, her name is Renoa. 
and you the main character squall like some like it's kind of like a love story between them but it's like a teenager love story where neither of them wants to admit that there's a love thing going on and so they just kind of like he tr- he pretends to be too cool and not care and she's always giggling about how she can see straight through him and she can tell that he really does care it's just so painful yeah um, it's a- it's a, t- teenage is the is the appropriate word for Final Fantasy. Sorry to interrupt, but that is like yep. the quintessential uh, teenage love story of the Final Fantasy series. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about it, but it just really rubs me the wrong way. Dude, it really is grating. Um, so you get in this, you get involved with helping her out, and you know over the course of the game, you learn that there is this very powerful being in the future named Ultimicia and and what she is trying to do if if I remember correctly is uh compress time and kind of like smash all of time together so that she can go to the point where all of these magical powers I love you're struggling to get through this part like i know exactly what, what you're going through and it's just so funny to listen to you struggle with it where, where all this magic kind of comes together and since it's all compressed from from all of time it's extremely it's going to be like extremely powerful and then she's going to basically take control of that power and be you know the the like an all-powerful being and you're you're trying to stop her from doing that of course, of course, and, of course. <laughs> like there's one part where I forgot who it is, but somebody's coming up with a plan for when she does this time compression, like how you're going to stop her. And it's basically like, hey, when she does this, you got to make sure to do this and that really quick. And they're like, well, how, like physically, how are we going to do what? I don't even remember what the specific plan is, but it's like physically, how are we going to do this? And the guy says something like what you have to do is. Everybody imagine a place that's very important to you. <laughs> it's just uh, like, what? How does this... What that, does that, that even mean? That, what does that mean? And that doesn't explain anything. <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous. Uh, there's a part of the beginning where Squall and Safer are Ugh. fighting. And... and Squall gets like cut I, in the face. Yeah. In the face, and Safer does too, actually. But it's like it doesn't do anything. Like it's just there so he can quote look cool. I think and have a scar yep. in his face. He wears. Also, this, show off his gun blade. Don't forget the gun blade. Yeah, show off his gun blade. Um, he wears this. He wears this dumbass jacket. It's like a leather jacket with a fur collar. <laughs> just, I forgot about that. Actually, that's so fucking funny. terrible. Um. What what else am I missing before we talk about some of the other stuff? Is there anything else story wise that needs to be pointed? Oh, there's one part where, um, like the dialogue ranges from pointless to cringy. Cringe is the word I would use. Yeah. <laughs> to awkward. Like one time I was ra- uh, walking around, and one of the characters in my party all of a sudden like the party stopped, and one of the characters in the party just says, "Squall, it's not like." Anyone can get by just on their own, you know. I was like, "What, does, what that, does that mean?" Yeah, what does that mean? Why are you? St- why are we talking about this right now? Okay, dude, Let's <laughs> yeah, keep going. Right, oh, exactly. Cool. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. <laughs> that is exactly how I felt. 
Um, there's, I, I wrote this quote. Here's a quote down. I think this was about uh, Safer. I've seen troubled children, but he was beyond troubled. Will, he wasn't a bad guy. Okay. <laughs> I, I get so frustrated with stories where they're like, this the whole time they're like, this is the bad guy. Like, he's the worst guy in the world. And then they're like, you know, he's really not that bad a guy. You shouldn't judge him like that. And it's just like, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? You literally told, like, two minutes ago, you were telling me to hate this guy. Like, what <laughs> what, what changed? Quickly, tell me. Yeah, what changed? Um, there And there's and then there's one part where Squall, I don't, I didn't write down the exact quote, but he says something, he, he literally says something like, to, he's kind of talking to himself. And he says something like, uh, the reason I put on such a stoic front is that so people can't really learn who I am. (laughs) It was the biggest teenager moment of the entire game. And then, um, and then there's a part where they're getting like all melodramatic and. Oh, just one part. (laughs) Just one part. One part in particular where Renoa, Renoa is getting very melodramatic and. She says something like some somehow she comes to the conclusion that Squall is going to have to kill her because I think she, I think if I remember correctly, Ultimicia at some point starts c- kind of controlling Renoa from the future and Renoa like she still had at this point, she still has her own volition, but she knows that's going to happen or something like that. And she course, she says Squ- Squall's blade will pierce my heart when <laughs> she's thinking about how he's going to have to kill her. I'm just like, can you please stop? It it, it makes me uh, visibly uncomfortable just to listen to you talk about it, but to <laughs> play it is is just a whole different level of uh, cringe. Is there anything that you can think of that I'm leaving out story wise? No, so I want I want to kind of set the stage a little bit too because one of the the key things for me with this game is the way this game starts. So so Robert kind of alluded to the cutscene between Safer and Squall where they're doing it out that's how the game starts that is, that is how it you you see yeah, these guys like, fighting what is this? And it's just it's like yeah it's like who the hell are these people do i care about are these good guys okay apparently this guy's the good guy <laughs> and then it ends and then you wake and then your squall laying in a, in a hospital bed and and that's where the quote-unquote i don't want this is a false statement but this is apparently where the story starts <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then that for me is just like such a what like what in the world is going like and the worst part is after you you really get through the first uh, the, the city or the what the academy when you leave there you you think at that point that you would be attached to the characters when you leave the fir- the academy you uh, at least for me i didn't care about these characters at all i was just kind of oh, like no. okay no. like let's keep going yeah it, it it's really unfortunate because i think that's the intent of the academy is kind of like set all the foundational aspects of the characters and it cannot do something. It cannot even get close to that. Yeah, and and and, the, and we've only talked about two of the characters in your party so far. There is only one character that I like, like one party character in the entire game that I like, and that's uh, Quinoa. She seems pretty cool, mostly just because like she's a professor at the uh, at the at the garden. And she doesn't like do all this teenager shit that, that everybody else does. She seemed she was fine. I was cool with her. But Zell is this, this like douchebag that wears humongous shorts and just constantly acts like an idiot. Uh, there's a girl named Selfie, yeah, who ha- who has hair that cur- it's like 
Pippi long stockings, but blonde, basically. Um, there's the guy who he's like a sniper and he tries to just like, like he tries to play it off. Like he's super cool and doesn't care anything. It's kind of like squall sort of Irvine. Yeah. 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 Irvine. Um, who am I leaving out? I'm leaving. There's a, there's 11 characters in total. Seven of them are our main characters or six. Wait, there's there's 11. Yeah, there's there's some temporary characters that you get throughout the game as well that join you. Okay, so but there small, are only like six main ones, right? Yeah, there's six main ones, and then there's five ones that you get like periodically. Or oh, I didn't for, even, like, I didn't know there were that many. Jeez. Yeah, because there's Squall, Renoa, uh, Quistus, Zell, Selfie, and Irvine. Oh, I said Quinoa. It's Qu- <laughs> I was combining her. With yeah, you, you combine Renoa and <laughs> it's Quistus is who I was talking about. Renoa, she's. I mean, out of all, out of the whole group, she's honestly one of the better ones, but she still sucks. I um, hate their last names too because it's Squall Leonhart and then Renoa Hart Hartley. I didn't even know that was her last name to be honest, but Hartley. Yeah, I don't know if it even says a lot of their last names in the game. It's just taking. You, like, you, most Final awesome. Fantasies, they don't do that. I remember in Seven, yeah, yeah. I, the first time I learned about them was from the players' guides. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um. Yeah, so uh, so story wise, it sucks. Let's talk about gameplay wise. <laughs> Heard you laugh. Sorry. This is the weirdest final f- gameplay wise. This is definitely the weirdest of the main line Final Fantasy games. It's like they tried to change everything, and none of it worked. Yeah, it kind of missed hard. I I appreciate the fact that they were trying new stuff. It's like they actually failed on every single... Well, okay. So one of the main things is the junction system. So the junction system is very weird. And I I guess this also combine. This also kind of goes hand in hand with the magic system. So there is no MP in this game. The way magic works is you literally pick up magic spells like you don't buy them in a shop and you don't learn them you pick up each individual casting of a spell and so there are these places around the game throughout the game there are two ways to get spells there are uh little spots throughout the game where when you're running around there might be this kind of purple sort of like smoky stuff coming up from the ground and uh they're called they're called draw points and you can go up to one and it'll say you uh, squall drew five fires. That means like magic is basically it's items more or less. You pick up five fires. It's so funny. Listen, you try to try to explain, (laughs) explain. you pick up five (laughs) fires and you can cast fire five times. You use one to cast fire once that alone is really damn weird, but it wasn't weird enough. They had to take, they had to keep doing stuff with it. They also combine this magic. Uh, oh, sorry. And the the other way to get magic is to draw it from enemies. When you're in battle, instead oh, yeah. of attacking an enemy, you can draw from it. And they might have one or two, sometimes three spells. And you can choose which one to draw. And it'll draw anywhere from one to like eight of those spells. So if it says you can draw wind from this guy, just do it. And then it'll say, you know, Renoa drew six wind. And that's six more casts, you know, t- she can cast win, you know, six times, you know, one time for each drew for each draw of win that she 
Drew. <laughs> so then there's the junction system, which the magic system ties into. The junction system is how you bo- it's it's a you boost your stats, but it's not like usually when you talk about stat boosts in an RPG, it's kind of like you get an item that gives you a plus one or plus two or plus five to strength or something. This is much more important than that. It's this will give you plus twenty, plus thirty. At, at, by the end of the game, there were a couple stats I had like plus a hundred on, uh, and you do it for every single. Well, ideally, you do it for every single stat that you have. The way the junction system works is you junction ma- stacks of magic to individual stats. So if Squall is carrying 10 fires and 30 regens, uh, then he can junction those 10 fires to any of his stats. Attack, or I guess uh, strength would be, attack's not a stat. Strength, vitality, HP, uh, speed, you know, all, any one of those. And then later you unlock, you can unlock other things where, uh, well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I, in order to keep it less confusing, I'll explain that in a second. So you can junction fire to strength. And it doesn't, it doesn't give you like a fire, that doesn't give you a fire elemental when you attack or anything like that. It purely just boosts your strength stat. And certain types of spells will boost stats more than others so if you tried uh say if you had uh, a shell if you had some shell casts if you junction those to strength 10 shells are probably not going to do as much for strength as 10 fires are but shells might help out your you know your vitality more than strength um it's very arbitrary it's like very if it sounds like it's very arbitrary, that's it, there's nothing that really makes sense about it. It's just like, this is what you do. You choose a magic that he's carrying and junction it to a stat that you want to boost, and it does that. And now, of course, if you have 20 fires that you're junctioning to strength, that's going to boost it more than 10 fires will. Now, the thing that you have to keep in mind is that when you cast a fire, that's one less fire that you have junctioned to you know, to strength, for example. So what, so it kind of incentivizes you to not ever cast spells. Um, I did, you know, I, so I, my main party that I use most of the, there are lots of times where you have to switch up your party. My ideal party, most of the game was Squall, Renoa, and I think Zell. And I did have Renoa as a spell caster, but I've, I almost never until the last boss or last two bosses really cast in da- any damaging spells. She was just a um, healer for the most part. Uh, and I did have, you know, I, I did have heal or cure or whatever it is junctioned on her, but I would still have to cast it every now and then because sometimes I just ne- really needed to heal people. Um that also, what this also means is there's no class system whatsoever at all in any way. You can change the junctions anytime. You know, some people might have like better base stats for this or that, but 
anybody can cast any spell at all. Anybody can have their their uh, strength junctioned high. It's it's that's another thing I didn't really like about it. I like flexibility, but I also like some kind of bounds for that flexibility. Some I, I, form of class identity. Yeah, exactly. Some sort yeah. of class identity where you can be like, ah, oh, sweet, this guy is a black mage. Let's see what we can do with him. Even if it's something where like, oh, I can choose what he's going to be. Or, you know, maybe he can, you know, uh, equip another, uh, a, a different job or something like that. Like, I, I like there to be some kind of restriction and not just open season, just do whatever, just make everybody anything at all. Um, so yeah, there's really no class identity. So that's the junction system. Now I said that when you would, when you attach fire to something, it doesn't give you a fire elemental. It's purely just a boost to that stat. There are things later on that you can unlock that does give you elemental things. And you can say, all right, I want to, I want to attach fire to this, to my attack element. And it will, and in that case, if you junction it to that specific thing, it will give you an, it will add a fire elemental to your attacks. Or there, and there's defense for it at the same time. And there are also statuses where if you have 10 sleep spells, you can junction that to like status attack or something like that. And it'll add a sleep, you know, it'll, it'll attack them with sleep and have a chance of putting them to sleep when you do an attack. So there are those things, but, but primarily, it's it's arbitrary. It doesn't have anything to do with with adding an element when you choose a, a spell to junction to your stats. Uh, by the end of the game, your characters are pretty much going to have every stat junctioned, as, you know, with as much as possible because that's just that's the best way to boost them beyond more so than leveling. And Jay, do you want to tell us why that's more important than leveling? Uh, wait, what specifically, sir? Do you want to tell us? I know, I know you know this. You might not just know exactly what I'm talking about. Why junctioning and raising people's stats is more important than leveling to raise people's stats? Does this have to do with GF? No, it has to do with the fact that all the bad guys level up when you level up. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. You forgot about that? Wow. Um, I was just, well, because it doesn't really. I guess I guess you don't really notice it in the first. Yeah, until you get to a certain point of the game. I'm surprised you. Well, I was going to. I sound like an ass. I'm just surprised that you didn't remember because that's one of the big things that stands out about it to me. That's very strange. Is that leveling up is meaningless because every enemy in the game levels up when you do. Um, every enemy basically just matches your level. They just scale with you. They scale with you. So if you, there are no, there are no level runs that people do where I don't know if, I don't know how possible it is to not level at all, or if it's just minimizing the leveling, which is actually, this is what I did. I minimized my leveling the whole, throughout the whole entire game because, uh, it's actually easier that way because then the enemies stay fairly low level and you can junction your stats and boost them with the junctioning system without leveling up and making all the other bad guys level up at the same time. So Hmm. if you can level up as little as possible, but then junction your stats really well, you're going to be a good deal more powerful than bad guys. Otherwise, everything just matches your level. Whatever the enemy is, if you're level five, it's going to scale up. 
If you're level one, it's going to stay scaled down. If you spend 30 hours grinding in the first, you know, in the, in the first like area of the game, everything's just going to level up with you. So leveling, even the bosses match your level. Do they get abilities as well? Or is it just their, their, uh, I think they do get, you're talking about like the enemies. Yeah. I think they do, uh, at like certain levels, if they've okay. matched you up to a certain level, then they will have like a more power. Like they'll have, uh, you know, whatever, like Airaga instead of just air or something like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the, the spells are kind of tiered that way as well with the enemies. If they've reached a certain level, then they'll have, you know, more powerful versions of the same spells. So there's no, so leveling does nothing because everything scales to you, which is absolutely bizarre. Um, I, I, it's just, it's bizarre and not really fun. I don't think because part of well, you're playing... not really incentivized to level, right? Like level, like growth, character growth is, is, uh, is important in video games. So if yes. that's not a mechanic, you know, it, it deters you from wanting to level, which is a key mechanic of, a, of the game. So yeah, exactly. Interesting. Part of playing RPGs is is just like oh sweet my guy's more powerful now New abilities. Up. Yeah. but this one you're just like well i leveled up but everybody else did so too. today so but those yeah. are they so i'm 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 on the exact same play you know same level yeah. playing ground as before it's just we're, we're everybody scaled up the same with me so it doesn't make any difference whatsoever in my case in if you played longer in your case, this actually turns out for the better because if you don't like the game, you can get through it a little bit faster because of this, because so now we have to sidestep it and talk about the GF system. Yeah. I was going to say, do you want to take over for a minute and talk about the guardian force sure. system? Yeah. The GF or the guardian force system, very similar. It's a lot of people compare it to final fantasy 10, um, in essence, because they, they're basically the summons that you, you can bring forth for your party. Um, they more or less, they, they take time to build up when you use them, they can act as a, they can act as a body to take damage for you. Correct. Yes. When you choose to cast one, it takes basically like a turn, like you said, for it to build up and actually do whatever it's going to do. Uh, and, in that time, if you're casting it with Renoa and she starts casting a spell, you know, a summon, and if she gets hit, then the summon takes the damage instead of her. So, yes. I'm, I'm, by the way, just kind of pivoting back a little bit. I'm reading that a lot of mobs and bosses have a uh, level cap. So, there is, if you if you do sweat super hard in leveling, you will at a certain point outgrow them. Okay. Are you sure? Because I read that too, and then I read somewhere else where it's like, no, that's not true. And everything oh, I okay. read seems to imply, seem, seems to indicate that that is not actually true. Interesting. Maybe there is. But if there is a cap, it's like obscene. Obscene to where yeah. it, it's pointless. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Sorry, yeah, but jump back in the GF system. Yeah, it's, it 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 it's not, it is very similar in essence to to that of Final Fantasy X. Um, I never found the summons to be super useful, um, especially really? given that they're they're useful, but like they take a lot of time to get going. Oh, they take a then, hell of a lot of time. Yeah, so that's why like most of the time I'm like going through combat for bigger fights, like more quote unquote challenging fights. Sure, but most of the time it's like, I, I just don't think it's necessarily worth it for the most part. All right, so 
the GFs. <laughs> it, it sounds very like GF. I don't know. It sounds like such a weird abbre- like a abbreviation for them. It, it, it yeah. doesn't roll off the tongue, you know. Um, but the GFs. It just felt awkward every time I read GF on the game, and they they never say Guardian Force. Just like the first time that you ever learn what they are, and then it just says GF the into- the entire rest of the game. The GFs, as you said, are summons. Uh, the so several weird things about the GFs. Um, the weirdest thing to me is that they don't cost anything to use. Again, you don't have MP. So it doesn't cost that, and there's no cost to using them. You can you freely use them as much as you want. The only the the only time you wouldn't be able to use one is if they do have HP, and as we said, they'll they'll take damage for you uh, if your character gets hit while you know while while they're trying to cast one. Um, and if its HP goes to zero, then you can't cast it anymore until you get it healed. Um, but that never happened. Well, it happened to me on like a few boss battles sometimes especially at the very end, but basically that never happened to me. They do. Uh, I'm surprised that you said they weren't useful for me. They did um, like much more damage than my regular characters did, especially early on in the game. I should say though, the way I, what I was getting at is like, I hate how long they take to get going to where I would just chop my way through combat, which okay. is, it, overall, it's probably not the most efficient way to do it, but uh, that's, the time invested was just really annoying to me. That's true because the time invested that you're talking about is not just waiting for them to be cast. It's watching the damn animation, Yeah. which is there was one that his animation was two minutes long. Uh, it's, it's like a higher level one that you don't get till the very end. So you don't have to deal. You don't have to like use him much or, or deal with that much, but all of them are what, like at least thirty seconds, I would say, right? Yeah, I think so. Thirty seconds. Some are some are more. It's like all these very intricate anime. Like there's one where there's these two kind of minotaur like brothers, and they uh, they it shows them, and then like they walk up to each other, and then they do paper rock scissors, <laughs> and then one of them wins, and the loser makes like a surprised face, and then I forget exactly what happens, but something like. The they the there's like some ground that comes out of the ground that the bad guy is standing on and it flies up and the winner throws the loser into him. It's like it's ridiculous, and I honestly think that the the watching the full animation for this every time you cast, I I honestly think that is meant to be the cost of using it. That you just have to wait through the thing. It's the punishment. Yeah. Um. But it, it still feels very weird that it doesn't cost anything, and they tank damage for you. So they're very useful, in my opinion, early on, although you also have to just endure the time it takes to watch them go. So in, so in most cases, you're, you are probably better off just doing the battle for yourself. Unless you're in a situation where it's a tough battle, then I would just spam um, GFs. Because it, they tank damage for you, and there's no cost to using them, and they do more damage early on until you get your guys junctioned up really well. Um, but there's more weird things about the GFs. One is that you cannot... So, so 
So the GFs give you abilities that you can use. Um, when you when you attach, I, I think it's even. I think they can. It's considered junctioning even when you junction a GF to a character, then they can use certain abilities that that GF provides. Now every GF, along with like some unique things that they offer. Every GF also provides the use item ability and uh, cast like a like spell ca- like just casting a basic sp- like magic ability, just casting basic magic and drawing, which is again how you get magic. You draw from the draw points or you draw from other characters. So they give you the ability to use items, to cast spells, or oh, and to cast gfs in the first place if you have a if you have a gf junctioned but you don't but you haven't junctioned the ability to call a gf then you can't actually use him in battle so what all this means on top of all like the other weirdness that's going on is if you don't if there's somebody that you don't have a gf junction to then they they cannot use an item they cannot cast a spell Literally, the only action that that person can do is attack, is just do a basic melee attack. It feels very awkward to have to equip a summon onto a person for them to be able to use a healing potion. Am I right? That is a really bizarre... Yeah, I'm like trying to digest this again, because I'm trying to remember all the specifics of it. That is... That just seems like such an oversight from a mechanical perspective like that just it really does seem just stupid i mean there's not i'm sorry i'm trying to think of a better word but that just i don't think it's an oversight because some of the stuff that happens later on which i'll talk about but um it's i i don't think it's an oversight as much as just a bad design um i think they very much you know realized that that was the case and that they wanted it to be that way is as bizarre as it is um so what I what I was gonna talk what I was gonna say earlier before before we had to explain what GFs are is that actually the fact that 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 leveling up is bad works out if you don't like the game but you're trying to get through it anyways because there's a GF that you can get actually very early on named uh, Diablo or is it Diablos or is it Diablo I didn't I don't remember hold on now this is gonna bug me FF eight Dia it's Diablos. So he's a junction that you, he's like, most of them are optional. Like a lot of, like some of them you might not find. There were like one or two that I don't, that I think I didn't even get throughout the whole game. Um, But Diablos is kind of one that you sort of have to find. I was using a guide for the, for the game. And one of his abilities that he gives you is uh, encounter. It's called Enk None. And it gives you no random encounters if you have this equipped. So... That's that does exactly what it sounds like. If you have that ability, if you have Diablo's junction to somebody and they equip the Enk Nun ability, then you will not have any random encounters in the entire game as long as that's equipped. Obviously, you'll have story encounters. There are there are plenty of like smaller non-boss battles that that take place just just as a matter of course through the story that you still have to do. Obviously, you still have to do the bosses and all that, but there will be no random encounters throughout the game. I in, I got this GF like maybe four hours in and it takes a little while before you actually unlock that ability from him. You, you unlock abilities by basically leveling up the GFs in battle. 
Early on, you can unlock Ink Half, which halves the uh, the uh, the encounter rate, and then eventually you get Ink None, which I kept. Once I got it, I kept that equipped for the whole game. So you go through the game a lot faster, and it doesn't matter that you're not leveling up because once again, leveling up is pointless, and it just levels everybody else up also. So that was good for me because I it saved me a lot of time playing through the whole game. Uh, be- obviously because you don't have to do all the random encounters. Sure. Uh, I-, I wanted to ask you, how did you feel about the overall difficulty of, of, of Final Fantasy VIII versus, let's say, Final Fantasy VII? Like, did you, how did you feel about the sweet spot of difficulty for it? It's really hard to say because of the weird way that I played it with no random encounters and stuff. Hmm. Um, because and and I get well and I say that but maybe it doesn't make much of a difference because again everybody's leveled up the same regardless so it just felt weird to me it just felt off uh difficulty wise so it's when you're not when you're leveling as little as possible which I think by the end of the game my char- characters were like upper 20s still um wow you really didn't level a lot yeah uh it's all based on your on your junctions. But what's also interesting is that since you're not ever fighting very powerful people, you don't when you 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 I would still do tons of draws so I could get more magic from them to okay. junction to my stats, but since they're all low level, you you get low level draws also. You would get again, you would get fire instead oh. of fire most of the time. Uh and then, uh, so that, that scales with your level then specifically. Huh? That scales specifically with your level then. Yes, it does. Okay. So if you're if, if once they get up to a certain point, then you'll start drawing. You know, for that example, Fyra or Fyraga instead of just just fire. But so I focus very heavily on just trying to get uh, draws as efficiently as possible without doing a lot of battles. Uh, and there's one place in particular where you can draw Ultima, which is the most powerful spell in the game and it costs there are these like guys guarding it and it's a it's it's a it's a typical draw point but you can't just walk up and draw from from it they won't let you walk up to it unless you pay them five thousand gil which is which is kind of a lot um and then it and then all of the draw points kind of respawn over time like they they turn after you use them then they turn into like a lighter colored smoky stuff and you can't redraw from them but then over time the purple will come back and you can draw from them again. So every now and then I would go back and revisit this one spot, pay, pay the gill and then draw from it because Ultima being a powerful spell is also the most powerful junction that you can have. So what I did was that I just junctioned. I got Ultima as much as I could. I junctioned all of it to Squall's strength and he was just like a melee character. And so like my other characters would do like a hundred or two hundred melee damage, and he was doing like three thousand. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, um, so it's kind of difficult for me to talk about the difficulty. Besides, just it felt weird to me. And okay. to be fair, part of it's because I was playing the game in a weird way. But I don't know. It's it's there were some parts. A lot of the bosses towards the end of the game I felt were very hard. The final dungeon, dude, the final dungeon. The, so the final dungeon, they they make you jump through all these fucking hoops t- to get to the end of the game. Of course. The final dungeon is pretty tough. You're in this castle, and they take away 
every ability, including the ability to save. Whoa. And you can get it back if you like re if you like backtrack out of the castle, then you get all your stuff back and you can save, but every time you go back in and you have to go through this castle to get to the final boss, every time you go back in then it takes it all away. The way and so you go into this castle, it takes away everything. So that was what I was talking about earlier. Just like how you can't use an item if you don't have a GF junctioned and then like the use item ability equipped, you um, that's one of the things they take away. You can't use items. All you can do is your is a basic melee attack. The way you get them back is you have to fight bosses. Every time you fight a boss, there are the there are a bunch of bosses within this castle and they're all optional, but you pretty much have to do at least most of them. Every time you fight one, you get to choose which ability you get back. So it takes away the ability to save, which that's important. Even though I said you can back out and save, that's important because if you want to try to fight the final boss, there's a save point right before her, but it takes like 10 or 15 minutes of walking to get there. So if you go try to fight her and lose, then it's just a pain in the ass to have to run 15 minutes every single time you want to keep trying. So you lose save, you lose item use ability, you lose um, summon ability, you use you lose magic casting ability. You lose um, there are like little side ability abilities that that the GFs give you. You you lose the ability to do any of those. What else? There are some other things too. Um, I don't hate that actually. I kind of like that concept. It, it, it obviously it's it's annoying in the moment, but that that's kind of interesting actually. I agree. It is kind of neat on paper, but for me. Maybe it has to do with just the fact that I didn't like the game to begin with. To me, I got to this point and I felt so close. And then I was like, well, now I have to play fucking Resident Evil in this last castle for hours to get all my stuff back to be able to fight the final boss. Because what you, you can't have to just do, grind your way through it too, right? Yeah, because the final, the reason I say Resident Evil, most of this castle in this last little area, this last dungeon is a castle. There is so much running around, grabbing a crystal, finding a hidden crystal, putting in this door, opening the door, switching characters, running around doing this. It's, it's, it got, it was so annoying and so tedious. There are puzzles where you have to look at pictures and, and, and use these pictures to figure out a phrase. There's stuff where you have to like go, you know, pull a, pull a handle here and now switch to your other party. Now run through this door that it opened. It's, it was, it's the, the last area is like three hours of, of just, like I said, just jumping through hoops so you get these basic abilities back so that then you can go fight the final boss. It was very annoying to me. Now, if you're liking the game, it's probably not going to bother you as much. But I just felt like I'm here and now they're making me just do all this bullshit. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it felt like. I mean, it seems like an accurate statement. Yeah. Um... Um. What else is there? Anything? What two things that they that I'll give them credit for? One is so it is annoying that you have to switch switch up your party a whole lot throughout the game, but they do at least give you the ability to straight up just directly switch all your junctions from one character to another. So if if Renoa, if you're not allowed to use her for a minute. Then you can switch her junctions with 
whoever is going to replace her. And it takes everything. It takes all the GFs, all the magic junctions, puts them on this other character exactly how you had them on her. So you don't have to fiddle with them one at a time because junctioning gets very tedious later in the game. When you have so many spells, you're trying to figure out who can use what, you know, which junctions benefit, which person the more and which stat, you know, most uh, playing around with that does get pretty tiresome. And there are still times where you do have to do more than just switch them from one person to another, but they did at least think about that. And they said, Hey, here's a switch button. You can just switch all the stuff that's on with this character and give it to the, to the other person. I was very thankful for that. Another thing that I actually do think is kind of cool is the, is this system by which you earn gill, uh, which is in final fantasy. That's, that's your, that's your gold. Currency. Yeah, yeah. That's the currency. Um, Instead of getting gill from defeating monsters like in every other RPG in the world, since you are the uh, like working for this academy, or you, you know, at first you're students, but then you're full blown uh, see, I forget what they call, what they call them, like soldiers, basically. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, instead of getting gill from defeating monsters, you basically get a salary, and every so often it just pops up and says, "Hey, you got two thousand gill." Um, which I think that's kind of neat. Just the fact that you're earning money at like a, uh, kind of like a predefined rate and you can't just, cause it doesn't really make sense that monsters, that every monster that in the world that you fight yeah, just, just happens, have gold on happens to have gold and on and a set amount, right? Like, Oh, this guy. Yeah. Um, I thought that was actually kind of cool. The, the one thing, the, what I didn't think was cool about it is that it gives you gill based on how quote good you're doing but that is not defined in any way there are certain what i what i learned from the guide i was reading it's like there are certain dialogue decisions that you can make that will lower it or raise it one way or another um it doesn't have to do with like how well you're fighting it has to do with pretty much just dialogue choices and if you and it, maybe it does have a little bit to do with how good you're fighting because every once in a while i would notice like even without there being really any dialogue choices all of a sudden, I would be getting less gill for, mm. for, for I don't know what reason. I'd be getting 2,000 and then, you know, for every once in a while, and then it would all of a sudden pop up and say, hey, you got 1,500 gill. I'm like, why am I not getting 2,000 anymore? But there's no there's no indication of what's causing you to get more or less. Um, so I'll give them credit. The gill system, I think, was kind of neat. Um, everything else, I think I pretty much covered it gameplay-wise in store. Even... I'm gonna. I might get some some pushback from on this. I even thought the music was kind of bad. Any thoughts? I know you didn't get to play a whole lot. Yeah, no, I'm trying to. Th- I, I remember. I remember my last playthrough. I'm trying to remember. Or early on, from from my revisit to it, the music was not notable. There was nothing. Yeah, nothing... I think maybe that's the best. Because mu- usually Final Fantasy is very notable for its music, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. This one, I felt there was one, I don't even remember which one it was, but there was one song in the entire game that was like, that one's pretty good. All I the others. The boss battle music being very underwhelming, which was disappointing. Oh, well, oh my gosh. You know what the worst part is? When you do a, a battle and you get the victory music afterward. Do you remember how dumb it is? You, so, it, so it does the the typical 
dun, 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 dun. and then you know you're used to and then it does something else after that like it's like every final fantasy game at least all the ones that i can think of the victory music starts off with that and then it goes into something else such as dun, 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 yeah dun, dun. as you're going through like the menus this one it goes dun, 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 oh, yeah. dun, and then it goes ding 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 yeah ding, i'm listening ding, right ding, now ding, ding. <laughs> What? Who? How? How do you choose that to be the victory music? Yeah, it's not good. It's it, it gets worse too. It's so stupid. Just ding, 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 ding. You're actually like, oh my god, you're almost on pace with it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would, hold on. I wonder. I can't remember I if if my recording setup. I was gonna say if you want to play it, I just put that put it in the chat. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna play it and see. I, I think my uh, capture software will get it. Let's see. I mean, you were pretty pretty perfect. <laughs> it's so bad. It's really bad. Oh my gosh! Like the first time I heard that, I was like, "What is this?" And of course, that's what you're listening to, th- you know, the whole rest of oh, the game. Oh, yeah. Time you do a I was going to say. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, it's terrible. So, uh, but yeah. and But even outside of that, like the rest of the music, which is, it ranged from non-noteworthy to, to awkward, I would say. And there was like one song that I thought was pretty good, and that was it. Um, other positive things. I did like the fact that you go in outer space at one point. That was kind of cool. There's like a whole part of the game where you're in outer space. I thought just like the, the that environment was neat. Um, there's Triple Triad, which is pretty cool. It's a card game. It's like a side little thing you can do. And you, you can actually get some pretty powerful stuff. I, I won't go into detail, but you can get cards and you can get abilities that allow you to transform the cards into usable things. And you can get some really powerful stuff, but Triple Triad is kind of a little card game, mini game that's that's all throughout the game, uh, which is pretty neat, even though it is kind of awkward just to randomly be walking up to characters and just say, be like, hey, you want to play cards? Uh, but it, it is... It was the... I believe it's the first Final Fantasy with it, too. That was the first installment of the... Because that, that's also used in 9. Triple Triad is? Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's like a... It's like a adjustment to it because that's like the three by three grid correct yes yeah so that 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 was in nine they they expanded on even more okay it looks like in nine it was called tetra master does that sound right yeah yeah that does sound right okay so i don't think it was in 10 no i don't think there was any sort of card game in 10 uh it might be in 12 again i remember they had it a few different ones uh they do have i mean well kind of different but they do have triple triad in 14 but that's kind of just a direct uh you know because they they take stuff from all of the final fantasy games in 14 um so yeah triple triad was all right um that's really all i have to say about it i'm trying to think of anything you missed on but i think you got it pretty good um oh you forgot to mention the fact that if you hit the r1 button while squall's attacking you can shoot his gun that was like the oh, yeah, most that's... exciting thing about when this game came out i remember everybody was so excited about that oh really oh yeah 100 that's funny i didn't even realize you could do that until i was like halfway through with the game i think didn't you you and i talk about it or i think that, yeah yeah actually i think so yeah i think you were the <laughs> one who, who said and i was like 
Wait, what? Really? And it does it does I think fifty percent extra damage. If you you have to just time it just right when he hits you like you said you press R one if you hit it right yeah. at the same right at the right point then he I guess I think the idea is he fires the gun while he's hitting yeah. them with the blade is that it? Well, which by the way can we talk about the fact that it is it is a revolver attached to a giant ass gun like like it couldn't giant be ass a, sword big, giant uh, sorry yeah it's, it's a revolver <laughs> attached to a big ass gun <laughs> no yeah t- attached to a big ass sword it just it. It's just, it's kind of a miss in my mind. Like, that whole concept that I know is supposed to be really cool, and blah, but it's just... And also, just imagine holding that thing. Like, <laughs> right it, just, right? it just seems so weird. It seems like it would be very awkward to... Sw- imagine, yeah, imagine swinging a sword, but but the sword has a gun handle. And it's a Forget revolver gun, gun a handle, too. Yeah, Like, it's yeah. just, yeah. Okay, glad we're on the same page there. I'm not a big gun person, like, I, I'm meaning I don't know a lot about guns, so, but... Yeah, although I will, uh, you know, although yes, I agree with you, but but I am going to backtrack a little bit and say, um, there are a lot of weapons in the Final Fantasy series that are purely designed just to look cool and don't actually make any sense. Barrett's gun, I think a Barrett's gun. Yeah, that and there and just the aesthetic in Final Fantasy in general, even aside from weapons, there are a lot of things that wouldn't actually functionally work, but they are just there because they look cool. And that's just part of what final fantasy is. And I do think that the gun blade actually looks kind of cool. Interesting. In theory, I agree with you, but then when you like, for me, if I start to analyze it, I get a little bit cringy. That's the, uh, that's true. But I would argue that that's, if you overanalyze many, many parts of final fantasy, it's going to fall apart. And and if it wasn't squall holding it, it would be uh, a little bit. That would help. That would help a lot. (laughs) They're... It's not even the gun or the sword, it's just Squall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, now that I think That's about it, <laughs> forget the gun and sword, it's just Squall. There's a Gunblade class in Final Fantasy XIV, and their stuff actually looks pretty cool. That's kind of what made me think think of all that. Okay. Um, so yeah, but um, to your point, the Gunblade is weird, but I, I, I will say I, I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, is that it? Is there anything else about Final I Fantasy? I think that's everything, to be honest. But I'm trying to think if there's anything else we're not thinking of. But we always have I, more stuff to say about the games we hate than the ones that we really love. Well, it really is true. I mean, sometimes. Kingdom Hearts. I mean, Kingdom Hearts. Actually, when I like games, I generally go ham. That's true. That's true. But, yeah. Okay. So, well, so, so going into this, you expected not to like it. Coming out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was expecting not to like it. However, as I said before, I was very excited to try this because I'd heard about all like the weird stuff about it. I was like, well, maybe this will be different. I'm really interested to see. And I know there are a lot of people who do like the game. I was like, maybe, you know, maybe I will be one of those people who who really like this one. But at the same time, I was like, well, things that you and in the past Blake have said about it, everything you said sounds like it really sucks and I'm not going to like it. But I was just hoping maybe I, maybe they would hit me differently or something, you know, playing them and I would like it. But no, everything y'all, everything that both of y'all ever said about the game was entirely accurate to, to how I feel about it. And so I came in hopeful, but realizing that I probably was not going to like it just based on what I'd heard. And it turned out to be exactly that, as obviously, as you can tell, I just 
did not like it as much as I was, I was hoping, I was hoping for a miracle, but no, it didn't, it didn't work out. It's interesting too. Cause even by, I'll even say for myself, when I, when I've played this game again, uh, I went into it thinking like, it can't be that bad. Right. Like I, I was thinking like, maybe I just didn't <laughs> understand it. Maybe the story was too complex. Like you go into it convincing yourselves and from my perspective they're like yeah it can't be that bad no it really is it really is it's the worst final fantasy of the playstation series without question in my opinion um yep. and it's just it doesn't it doesn't have any sort of like exciting elements that make me want to replay it like final fantasy 7 i could play once a year straight up because there's yeah. just some really interesting aspects about it final fantasy 9 that is another one that i could play almost every year final fantasy 8 is a game that i don't really ever feel motivated to play it just Def- doesn't oh, do de- it hell, hell no. But I know exactly what yeah. you're like. I could pick up Final Fantasy VII right now and just load my old save and just kind of play around for a little yep. bit and Keep be going. happy. Yep. Um, it's just, oh man, they, they just. It's just a mess. They dropped the ball entirely. Yep. I agree with that statement. And to those who really enjoy this game, sorry. Yeah, we gave it a second, second uh, college try, but yeah. Why don't we go ahead and read those emails actually? Good idea. Let me, um, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna have you read most of yeah. these because yeah, you did a lot of talking here. Oh my gosh, so. yeah, my throat's killing me already. Um, we've got, looks like, two. Uh, unless Chase also said something. Oh, okay, we've got three. Chase included I would his. Say, I would assume Chase would say something about it. All right. So first one comes from. Uh, he doesn't put his name, so he he gives us a pretty short one. Here you go, Jay. Um, Are you sent uh, DM? Yeah, I think I'm going to DM it to you. Perfect. That works. Uh, does it say, it, like, it doesn't say who it's from or anything? No, he, doesn't, at all? he didn't okay. include his name. Uh, so we'll call him Bill. Bill says, hello, classic gaming podcast. I always thought Final Fantasy VIII would have been a widely loved game by most if it was not released under the Final Fantasy banner. So I'm going to pause on that thought. I don't think that helps at all. I don't either. I, don't, I think Sorry. they could have named it anything and it wouldn't have mattered. I appreciate the thought, but I I disagree with it. Um, Bill goes on to say, I think it gets polarized because it changes so much of the standard Final Fantasy tropes. I don't think it necessarily changes the tropes. I think it tries to do something different to give it a unique identity from Final Fantasy VII because of how high Final Fantasy VII was regarded. And I do think Final Fantasy VII got a lot of credit because of the fact that it was the first uh, one on the PlayStation system, and it gave it a real boost in its overall. This is me speaking, by the way. I'm not reading Bill's email. So I, I do think coming out of Final Fantasy VII, it, it, it had a really, an overwhelming chance to be a failure. But I think it exceeded that expectations across the board from my perspective. Well, I mean, it does change the standard Final Fantasy tropes because of all the reasons we said, all the weird stuff it does. But I guess that's... There. But I but that's not for me, that is definitely not the reason that I didn't like it. I just I was uh, I think it's fine to try to tra- change things. The the things that they changed, in my opinion, did not work out regardless of whether it was called Final Fantasy or something else, in my you know, for me. Sir. Uh Bill goes on to say, I don't mind the draw mechanics, but the junction mechanic makes me not want to spend to cast my magic, which is my biggest gripe. Overall, I do like Final Fantasy VIII. Not near the top of my favorite games in the series, but it's still a great RPG. Yeah, that was kind of what we talked about with the junctioning. It makes you not want to use your spells because that makes your stats weaker. Um, yep. That was why my, you know, quote, spellcaster character, I, I pretty much had her only just heal when I needed her to heal and just do other stuff 
when it was her turn besides cast spells because I didn't want to cast, you know, damage dealing spells because that was just going to weaken her overall. And I was trying to save up my stuff to one, make her stronger and also just to make sure I had as much um, as many powerful spells as I could saved up for the end of the game. And in the meantime, Squall's doing 10 times more damage than the rest of my party anyway. So he was the only one who who needed to do any damage in, in the battles anyway. My other guys could just dick around and do whatever. Okay. Uh, did you did you read the last sentence already? I, I can't even remember. Yep, that okay. was it. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Bill. <laughs> All right. This one's a little bit longer. This is from Nate. It's going to come in a couple things. I'm going to put a little line here just to uh, separate it. Yep, I appreciate that. Nate says, hey guys, you said you wanted to hear from Final Fantasy VIII fans, so here I am. I always considered Final Fantasy VIII my game, but it took me forever to actually beat it. I had dabbed, dabbed, oh, excuse me, dabbled the original on NES and beaten four Mystic Quest and six on Super Nintendo. But 7 passed me by as we couldn't afford a PlayStation. It wasn't until 99 when I was working as a lifeguard that I bought a new PlayStation with my own money along with a black label copy of Final Fantasy VIII. I remember playing this game for hours on end with my friends. We'd take turns and position a chair leg or a piece of tape on the X button to draw magic while we left the room to do other things. We had no idea about things like not leveling up because the enemies leveled with you. Wait, is he Over saying... Time- with the chair leg, is he saying that they would just like put a chair on top of the X buttons and stand on a magic draw so that it would just constantly do it while they were gone? Yep. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yep. Uh, Nick goes on to say, over time, we did figure out the junction system, though. Um, I remember particularly, uh, mem- excuse me, I remember a particularly memorable breakthrough when we discovered refining tents into Kiraga which we then junctioned to HP. We felt invincible. I got pretty far in, probably disc three, then had a file wipe out due to a disastrous memory oh, card mishap. God, the throwback to... And that's a... that's I... a this, this is a four-disc game, by the way. It's even... I should have mentioned this. Even doing no random encounters, it still took me 40 hours to finish this game. Jeez. So, three, so deep into disc three... That's a lot of hours lost. That's really sad to hear is what it is. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, and I was going to say memory card things for, for me. I always, whenever, when I, as soon as I got my own memory card, I would take it out and I would hide it from my siblings because oh, man. I was always, it's just smart. There's no, you're not risking it, right? There's yeah. no way. So uh, I restarted in 2003 as a university student. Oh, he went to the Academy, Robert. Uh, (laughs) when recovering from a shoulder surgery over Christmas break. Uh, But then, but again, got somewhere on disc three and didn't finish it. Then I kind of got out of gaming until around the time Final Fantasy X came out. I beat Final Fantasy X and uh, 12, re-beat old ones on emulators and re-releases, but never got back to eight. Uh, Finally, as an adult, somewhere around 2014, I decided to dig the game and an old PS2 out and finish from wherever my save file was because I did not have time for another restart. I was completely lost as to what to do. Thankfully, I found a strategy guide, which I don't usually like to rely on, and followed it word for word until I figured out what the heck I was doing. I didn't bother chasing the side stuff, but pushed forward to the to Ultimecia's castle. Having to choose which abilities to reactivate 
makes for one of the best final dungeon scenarios <laughs> in any game. That's, How do you feel about that, Robert? That's, that's, so, I think actually this is a very good um, illustration of the difference between people who like Final Fantasy VIII and people who don't. The way, the way I feel is that if you like Final Fantasy VIII, like there's just nothing like we just are we just look for different things in RPGs. It's like and that's perfectly fine, right? But yeah. somebody who I've 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 done a little bit of reading on like message boards and and Reddit and stuff where I'm reading people's thoughts on on why they um on like why they like Final Fantasy 8 mm-hmm. and everything I hear I'm just like I just cannot relate to that. <laughs> like people, I've 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 read people say, and and, and uh, maybe Nate might say the same thing. But like, I love the story and the characters. I'm like, well, you and I are just different people. <laughs> again, that's fine. I'm not saying one of us is right or wrong. It's just there's a very big difference in the things that you like. If, if you like these, you know, if you, you see what I'm saying, if, yeah. if you like this, we're just very different people. Um, so yeah, if you like, if you like the, the Ultimacy's castle stuff again, and all, that, that one's a little bit different. Cause like what you mentioned earlier, if you're liking the game overall, then maybe it's an, it's a neat little twist that, that they kind of mm-hmm. throw it in. That's kind of really, you know, it's unexpected. It's not something that any game has ever done. I agree. It is a neat idea for me. Just trying to endure the end of the game, I was like, okay, now I got to do all this shit. And just kind of one one more thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so again, just kind of recapping this portion. Having to choose which abilities to reactivate makes for one of the best Final Dungeon scenarios in any game. And the bonkers ending has given me and countless other fans something to think about for a long time. Around this time, I was also getting into reading fan theories like... Spoilers, by the way. He's going to say some spoilers here. Uh, Squall is dead and Renoa is Ultimisium. These theories piss off some people who need to think the story happened in order in a straightforward way, but there were so many themes open to interpretation. Any thoughts on that? No, I don't really have any thoughts. Okay. Anyway, I had picked up the remaster on sale for Switch and you guys choosing it for Game of the Quarter gave me an excuse to replay Now that I know so much more about the game, like how leveling up actually makes enemies harder, at first I was going to go all in on cards and get as much magic as possible to focus on junctioning while keeping two low levels. Then I got my cards rule hopelessly screwed up. At one point, I managed to abolish (laughs) open, aka the best rule, and had random, same slash plus, and direct, aka the worst, basically making the card card game unplayable for a while okay so that's probably confusing to anybody who doesn't know <laughs> what's going on so what he's talking about is this is, this is a kind of a detail about triple triad that we didn't mention um which is each area of the game has its own rules for triple try has, has like a few like tweaks on the rules um and if so when you play a character in this or that area they play by whatever the rules for that area is and there are ways you can change those rules. I don't remember exactly how, but I think rules like might migrate over time or there's like a way to pay somebody and, and change them for an area and things like that. So what happened with him was there are some rules, as he mentioned, that kind of makes the game unplayable. Like it makes things so random to where 
Like, it's just a toss-up. You know, it's like almost not even up to skill anymore or because you might have to use only your bad cards or something like that. So there are some rules that really just ruin the game completely, ruin Triple Triad. And if and what he's saying is the rules that if you are kind of playing the game in a sensible way and building up a strong deck, the rules that reward you for doing so, he somehow got abolished. And the rules that make things more random, he, he got those adopted somehow so that Triple Triad basically just became a nightmare for him and, and pointless to even try to play. Cool. Um, so Nate goes on to say, so I decided to just plow ahead with the story on a low-level run, doing extras if I happen to feel like it. The remaster helps with wayfinding a lot, but some places are still not intuitive. So I've looked at things up when I had to. I didn't end up beating it in time for recording, but I made it to disc three again and have been enjoying it. I can't explain why exactly, I, excuse me, I can't explain why I love this obviously broken game, but the music is high on the list. <laughs> See that? Once again, we just have different tastes. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll just stop playing and enjoy uh, the awesome score and be in the various places from Balam Village to the Tomb of the Unknown King and beyond. The characters deal with grief, the consequence of choice, pacifism versus fighting for a cause, having responsibility forced on them, being haunted by the past, worrying about the future, and the future and past literally coming together in an apocalyptic way. There's also plenty of quirky JRPG humor and the memes like want to play cards and you're the best looking guy here, live on. I will say those are those are some pretty good memes. Good memes. Uh, that, that's probably the, the, the high, high point of this, this game. <laughs> the memes? The memes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's just so many ways you can play this game. And the fact Squall tried all the ambitious stuff at the height of their powers after the success of Final Fantasy VII is awesome. And something we will probably never see from a big company again. AAA companies don't really take risks like coming out with something as weird as Final Fantasy VIII after, after the success of something like Final Fantasy VII. Square has had its hits and misses over the years, but this is one that will always hold a special place in my heart. I gather you guys are going to dunk on it. Wow, he called us out. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but glad, glad you guys picked it for Game of the Quarter. Thanks for doing the podcast and providing so many hours of entertainment. Thanks, Dave. Um, that was a really well thought out email. That's yeah, fun. yeah, I really do appreciate it. And, I, and again, I, I do agree that I like the, the fact that they, that they went out on a limb, they took risks, and tried different things. Um, but for me, again, obviously we made our point that they just didn't work out, but I, but I do appreciate that they tried that. Uh, yeah, but, but by the way, just Google like FF eight, you're the best looking guy here. Meme. That's a pretty good one. And all the want to play cards. It's like, like, it'll just be a meme of, you know, a lot of it's typically like, Hey, I need to save the world. Blah, blah, blah. Want to play cards. Well, there's one here that I just so pulled up. <laughs> uh, check out. Hold on. Let me send you this one. I just, I'm just gonna paste it in the other room. Actually, uh, it's um, fucking uh, Titus or Titus or whatever, and it says many fucks given. Then below him, it shows cloud, and it says few fucks given, and then it says, and then it has a picture of Squall, and it says. <laughs> Want to play cards? <laughs> uh, so yeah, those are some those are some solid memes that that the game has given us. 
Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, once again, thank you very much today. We do appreciate it. Let's go to chase the night cleaner. So we're, we won't, we'll save part of his email for the end, but we'll read his uh, Final Fantasy VIII stuff now. We, we, we figured we'd hear. <laughs> right. Um, here we go. He says, Chase the Night Cleaner here with a long overdue email. I hope I am writing in in time to include my opinions on Final Fantasy VIII. You made it. And here you go. Uh, Jay. How the fuck do I? Here we go. Okay, there's Chase's stuff. It says, my feelings are as follows. As a summary, this game sure was different, so much so that I often question exactly what I was playing. So, so look, I've never won Final Fantasy VIII, and I don't know if I ever will. When he says won, does that mean he beat it? Yeah. Okay. This isn't really my type of JRPG, and though it is definitely wrapped up in a Final Fantasy coding, when I, uh, when I first engaged with this game, I kept having feelings like, this doesn't feel like a Final Fantasy. I, I will game- say, I had... I I know exactly what he's talking about. I and mean, you probably do too, but I, I really had that conscious thought in my head very frequently while I was playing. I was like, this just doesn't feel like Final Fantasy. That's weird. Yep. Um, sorry, I'm trying to back to... Oh, he says, uh, this game was designed during a time when it seemed like Square could do no wrong, and with this game, they really tested those limits. And for context, <laughs> during this time period, Square was experimenting with uh, everything. PS1 era saw distinctly unique games like Einhinder. Is that you say it? Uh, I wasn't long. Einhinder. Where's this? Uh, first paragraph, second sentence on the bottom. Einhinder, Einhinder. I think it's Einhinder. I've heard it said a few different ways, but... Oh, I don't know what that is. I, I would say Einhinder. I don't... What is that? What is this? I, if I feel I like we might have talked about this before. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, anyway, Ein Honder, I think, is what it is now that I'm looking it up. Uh, Bushido Blade, Great Fencer Musashi, Xenogears, Vagrant Saga, and Final Fantasy Tactics. Not until Final Fantasy XI and twelve would Square again even attempt to deviate so far from the basic Final Fantasy gameplay mechanic mechanics. Uh, and I also believe a lot of Final Fantasy IX's return to old school design was a direct response to players' complaints about Final Fantasy VIII. I think it's a really fair statement because nine is is obviously a lot closer to seven than eight was. It makes sense. Uh, he says he goes on to say, "I don't like this game, but I can also respect that even to this day, Square Enix does some weird experimental shit, and unlike other AAA companies, Square isn't afraid to fail sometimes." Without being willing to experiment, we don't get around get groundbreaking new games that change what we expect from the medium. Final Fantasy VIII was trying something new, and parts of it still pop up in other games to this day. The card game, as we were talking about, in mm-hmm. particular pops up in more than just Square properties. I was surprised to see a version of it embedded in the Skylanders game from Activision as well. But enough, uh, but enough about my thoughts on a flawed experiment. So That's Chase... It. Didn't care for it, kind of like us. Yep. I, I'm um, honestly not surprised by that. So, yeah. Okay, Chase. You think Chase, Chase? Thank you. We will get back to the rest of your email uh, in the email section. So, but, all right. Before we talk about the rest of or the a couple other games that I played, Jay, why don't we go ahead and talk about game of the quarter? Next game of the quarter. 
Sure. What are your what do you, do you have some ideas? I do. Okay. So I have four different ideas that we Ooh, can cool. toy around with. Okay. So uh, we'll do the RPG esque ones first, and okay. then we'll go to the rest of them. So the first one is uh, playing Bahamut's Lagoon. So Bahamut's Lagoon is a very unique game. I don't believe there is any game that has ever done anything quite the level of Bahamut's Lagoon. Um, it is a turn-based tactics RPG with also um, turn-based combat as part of it. There's a tactics phase and then there's a turn-based combat phase as well. Okay. With like ATB. I think there's ATB bars like a standard um, Final Fantasy style game. Bahamut's Lagoon is a big time investment, but it is an interesting game. It's not one of my favorite games of all time, but it's one of those games that if people have played it, it's one you want to talk about. Okay? Okay. All right. Number two, Tactics Advanced. So this was the second installment of a Tactics tactics game. This one is not that bad. It still has a lot of the the mechanics down well. This is the one that you always complain about. No, that's a... I, I do complain about it. A2 is the one that I really hate, though. A2 is like bottom of the Oh, barrel. wait. So, so, oh, really? Okay. So what's, I always this thought that was DS the sequel. Game. So this one comes in between tactics in A2? If, yes, but none of them are related to one another. At least Okay. Not I mean, it was released in between. Yes. Huh. Okay. This was the second one. This is a more watered down, um, easier tactic style game. The story is very basic and more childish. But it still has some pretty cool elements to it. And the classes are interesting. And there's a nice difficulty. This is one of the ones with the judges in it. And the judges, again, I remember if you, you fail, complaining about the judges. Yeah. If you fail to meet their rules, they will give you a yellow card or a red card. So if you if you if if they say, don't use fire magic, and you use fire magic and hurt somebody, they'll give you a yellow card. If you kill somebody with an, a banned ability, then they give you a red card. And that character is removed from the fight. So okay. the judges are annoying. But... It is it is an okay game, and I spent hundreds of hours playing this game when it first came out. So that's number okay. two. Number three is Odin Sphere. I know you and I have both talked about. I've wanted to play this again. Uh, oh, did you already play this? Yeah, I played it like probably about a year ago. Okay, never mind then. Scratch that one. Okay. So I would like that. That's too recent. Uh, the third one, I guess, is the last one now. Is Twisted Metal Black. Um, I have wanted to play a Twisted Metal game for a little while, and Twisted Metal Black has a very special place in my heart. I've wanted to do a replay of it. I know, I believe you were pretty fond of this game, correct? Yes. So, yeah, so those are the three that I came up with. Um, I am open to other ideas as well, but that's kind of where I wanted to wanted to start. Okay. The ones, all right, so this, I'll go through my whole process right now. The ones that sound the best to me are Twisted Metal Black or or tactics advance what i would pick is twisted metal black particularly this time because partly because we're getting a little bit late start on it and so we're going to have since tactics advance i'm I'm guessing is going to take a little while or would take a while to you know to get through maybe even not if the whole thing a lot of it, it that'll take a while and since we had to delay this an episode already we're going to have Jeez, we've only got like a little over a month, basically, technically, to do the next game of the quarter. Right? Because it'll be... Yeah, that's right. Oh, no, no. I guess it would be the end of June. So we've got like two months, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we have all of May and all of June. I was thinking of the exact same thing. I'm like, oh, it's already the end of April. So we only have a month left. <laughs> so, but okay, but regardless, we've got a little bit less time than we normally do. I would say 
I would lean towards metal, uh, twisted metal black because of that. But I, I, I might even personally prefer twisted metal black anyway. But it's your, but it's ultimately you, I, your choice. Well, I actually wanted to give you the three options, so that you actually kind of beat me to the punch. I actually wanted to bring them to you. These all three okay. of these games, I would be interested to hear your your uh, perspective on them. I've played all three of them. I haven't played Twisted Metal Black in a very long time. I played Bahamas Lagoon in the last five years, and I played Tactics Advance probably in the last two to three years. Uh, I didn't play it nearly as much as I did the first first go go around, but. Twist Metal Black is a. I, I love Twist Metal Black. I think the obviously the intro music is iconic as as could ever be. The character stories are great. The gameplay is fun. The difficulty is there. Still some bullshit elements, but uh, Twist Metal Black I think is a. a it's I, I think it's probably the best one in the series. I think you can say that without. That's how I remembered it. Yeah. it. Yeah. So. Cool. Okay. Well, is, you want is, to is it, to Twist is Metal Black? It, yeah. If if that if that's cool with you, that's 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 what that, that would be my choice. Sure, I'm on board with it. Let's do it. Cool. All right. So. Next game of the quarter is Twisted Metal Black. That was for PS2. Yep. And um, we'll talk about it the end of June sometime. Awesome. That was the fastest we have ever made a decision. <laughs> I think you're right. Unheard of for us. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's it. All right. Now, backing up, going to talk about a couple more games. Uh, let me see which ones I have. I might not do all of them. Actually, I don't know. I've been kind of playing a lot lately, so. How do you really, man? You are so crazy. Yeah. Um. Well, part of it's because we we've we had a long time between the last episode and the one before it. Because at first I was like, well, maybe we'll wait, and I was like, well, no, Jay's probably not going to have time. So then we did the one with Gaming Jay and Snest Drunk, but there but there's still a big space in between. And also, I've just kind of been I've been trying to get a couple played and in the backlog to talk about since I'm going to be moving soon. Okay. So let's, let's, well, all right, well, let's start off here in sector X. This was a Genesis game that came out in 1989 and it's a side scrolling shoot 'em up where you're this, this kind of fucking dork dressed up in an insect costume and evidently shrunk down very small. And all the environments are you uh, flying through. Well, so all the environments. A lot of them, it's like you flying around in like outdoor environments where kind of like honey shrunk, honey, I shrunk the kids style. Everything is, you know, you're like all the plants are really big and all that kind of stuff. And all the, you know, all the environmental things are bigger around you because you're shrunk down and you're fighting against little like robot bugs. And that's kind of the whole game. It's a pretty solid shoot 'em up. Um, I actually, I had this when I was little and I played it quite a bit and I, I had forgotten about it, but I saw a video recent or a couple months ago that mentioned it in one way or another. I was like, Oh yeah. in sector X, maybe I'll give that one another shot. So I got it recently and, and just, you know, started playing it again. And it's, it's, it's good. Actually, it obviously is not one that many people know of or remember, but it's uh, it's you know typical side-scrolling shoot 'em up mechanics where you're picking up power-ups throughout the level. It's one-hit death. If you get killed, you lose all the power-ups that you've gotten. So you know it is pretty unforgiving in that way. Uh, all the environments look really cool. I I feel like all the bad guys look really cool. Honestly, this is like maybe again I'm not the biggest. I I do, I do really like side-scrolling shooters, but I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't say I'm like an enthusiast or anything. Sure. I don't play a lot of them, but when I do, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. This this might be like a for a very amateur 
side-scrolling shoot 'em up player, this is maybe a top ten for me. Wow. Um, just because the environments are good, the enemies are cool looking. It's it's the right amount of challenging. These games are known generally for being pretty hard, and it is hard, but it's not impossible. Okay. I got to the farthest I was ever able to get was the fifth level, and I would die there. But because there's, I think it was the fourth level. There's this one spot. There's one particular spot close to the end of the level that's very. You kind of have to do it exactly right to get through it without dying. And I kept dying, and it kind of the checkpoint is kind of like right before the spot. So I'd be like, all right, I got it this time. And then I'll get a little bit farther and then die again. And like eventually make it through. But that, but there it was this one spot on the fourth level that was kind of like my Achilles heel. Whenever I would, uh, you know, boot the game up or boot it up, whenever, whenever I would turn the game on and start playing. But, uh, you, it was, you know, overall, I, I felt like it was challenging and, you know, sometimes difficult without just feeling frustrating or impossible. So I, I really feel like they nailed the difficulty. Again, the graphics look cool. You know, the bosses, it's kind of the same thing. You might be fine. It's like just a giant version of the same kind of stuff. Like you might be like one boss is a fucking giant robot grasshopper. Of course, one of them is a giant spider, a robot spider and that kind of stuff. Um, the power ups you'll get, you know, some of them make your uh, weapon shoot stronger. And then you have some of them will give, sometimes you'll get a secondary weapon and that'll just, and usually you have an option on the secondary weapon, whether it's kind of like a little turret that you throw down that kind of shoots stuff around it. Or it might do like a burst that goes all around you for if people get too cl- if bad guys get too close. The controls feel good and all that. Um, this is a good one. If you like shmups, Insector X is one that I think you should try out. Cool. Let's talk about... You know, I've got two here. One of them is a little bit long and I don't know if I can do much more talking. So I'm going to do another short one and I'm going to save this other one for, for next time. Uh, Mappy Land. You you a Mappy Land guy? I have don't even know what Mappy you know, Land know what Mappy is. Land is where you're the little mouse. Okay, so Mappy was an arcade game where you are a mouse cop, and you're like it's like a little it's a kind of it's a fairly simple platformer where you're just going around the level trying to pick up. Uh, usually it's cheese. I don't know. I don't think it's cheese on every level, but you're trying to get all the pieces of cheese. And then when you get all the pieces of cheese, you go to the end of the level and you go and like you you can go through the exit and then you go. Is to this the next about level. pushing blocks around? No, you're, there's no block pushing. Okay, never mind. Mappy Land, I don't, I I didn't like I played both of these when I was little, but I I they just kind of jumbled together in my memory. I thought they were both Mappy Land. I thought Mappy Land was just the port of the arcade game, but evidently they are two different games. Mappy <laughs> is the arcade game. Mappy Land is the sequel to the arcade game. And Mappy Land is what was on NES, uh, which by the way, it came out in originally 1986 in Japan. It came out in the U S in 1989. And that's again, that's, that's the game is you are this little mouse. You're there's a lot of, there's like trampolines that you bounce on to go to various like platforms and the levels. And you're just trying to get, of course there's bad guys chasing you as well. And it's kind of, Think sort of maybe like Burger Time, but but not just confined to a single screen, um, and not nearly as hard as Burger Time. You're running around trying to get the cheese. 
Um, and you're also not building sandwiches like that one is. It's, it's really just the the matter that there are so many different platforms and you're running back and forth on them trying to, you know, trying to get stuff. In this case, you're picking up the cheese and when you get them all, you go to the next level. Next level is, you know, the, the environments are a little bit different and the layouts are a little bit different. But generally speaking, everyone, you're bouncing on trampolines, running around, picking up whatever it is that you're picking up on that level and then trying to get to the end. Um, I got to... It was probably eight levels in, maybe. And I, I don't know how to get past this level because there's this um, there's this girl mouse and you're picking up stuff in this level. And she says, like, when you when you get everything, you get to the end. She says something along the lines of try doing it faster next time. And I'm like, OK, so let me try to find out a better route to get the items faster and get to her at the very end. So I swear I had like the best route down. I was getting them as fast as possible. It didn't matter. I'd get there and she'd say whatever, you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but tell me I didn't do it fast enough. So I looked it up and I said, all right, this is the route you have to do. So I did that route exactly. And it still didn't work. So I don't know what What? I'm doing wrong, but I got stuck on this one part where I would get all the stuff and get to the end. But then she would tell me that I didn't do it fast enough. So that kind of hit a, hit a wall there, but I used to really love mappy land. Um, and I don't know what it was like it, the music is pretty fun. Maybe th- that had a lot to do with it and just kind of like this simple little cartoony style of the game. Um, it, it still has a lot of charm and it still is actually pretty fun, but I just kind of got kind of, kind of hit that wall that I could, that I couldn't huh. get past. So um, yeah, but it, it, it kind of lived up to honestly, it sort of lived up to my expectations, but besides that one big caveat, um, I, I, I did kind of enjoy playing it for for as simple as it is. I still had fun with it. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that much. That, that, I have never heard of this game before. It was making me think, uh, did you, I used to go to Sam's Club a lot with my mom and I would hang out in the computer area and there was this game where you played as this mouse and you had to dodge cats and collect cheese. And that's, that's what it made me think of. I was trying to think. That was of, probably I've always it. With, really? I mean. Is it like a top? No, because you said it's, it's a top down perspective, correct? Oh, the what? yours or mine? Yeah, mine. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. This one's a side scrolling like platformer. Okay. okay. No, um, that's interesting. That's, yeah. that's what made me think of that. So, so anyway, that's Mappy Land. Um, and I guess that's all, so. You don't have any other games, right? You 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 were barely able to get in FF eight. No, I, play, I played some some uh, new games surprisingly, but no, not not. I haven't really spent any time playing classic games. All my stuff, all my my media PC and everything was packed away for the last two weeks. So. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's talk about new games in just a second. First, I want to return to Chase's to the rest of Chase's email. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so we, so we've read everybody's thoughts on final fantasy eight that they sent in. Oh, there were actually, there was another email before his as well. Um, I'll, I'll just take this one. This is from Sven. Robin J having just listened to episodes 171 and two, I have to pontificate about a few things mentioned in these. I have not listened to the two newest episodes, so at this time I have no idea if any things I'm going to talk about have been resolved or further clarified. So I'm sure you remember the what I call infamous populace incident. <laughs> oh no. The moment I heard Rob ask Jay if he should play populace as number five of his resolutions, I knew this had disaster written all over it. I would have placed a considerate bet on Rob would try populace and hate it. Wondering why Jay would recommend such a basic and boring game. I would have written in then and kept Rob from wasting his time on this. But as I just stated above, I just listened to the episode yesterday. Then in episode 172, after talking about this mess, 
Rob was pretty sure that Jay had up to this point always referred to the game he loved, Populous the Beginning, as just Populous, and that Jonathan, the CGP archivist, should write in. So first let me tell you that I'm disappointed by that and feel slighted that you did not think of me, because I am the only person on the planet who has looped all your episodes seven times by now. In several of my former emails, I mentioned this to you, and every time... We say it, you are, genu- you are genuinely surprised each time, meaning both of you had totally forgotten about that. So I think that, yes, Sven, you are right. And I, and you've certainly listened to, I, I have to imagine about seven times more than anybody else has, <laughs> but Jonathan has built up a reputation for, for writing in with various stats about, about this and that, which Maybe you have two and I don't remember, but Jonathan is, is like the stat guy, even though you, you've evidently listened to them uh, much more. He says, so let me help you out with the populist mess. When Rob says Jay always referred to populist the beginning as populist, Rob is absolutely right. I myself was wondering about Jay using this title when talking about his love for the game because I played the original populist when it came out and always wondered what Jay saw in that game as well. But then there was one episode in which Jay actually played his beloved game. And at this point, he pointed out that he had forgotten that it had the addition, the beginning to its title. In a later episode, Jay actually played the original Populous and naturally did not like it. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Okay. He then pointed out that he had always thought that Populous the beginning would have been the first installment of the series. Sure, because that makes so much sense. I'm sure Border... (laughs) I'm sure Borderlands, the pre-sequel, was also the first Borderlands game. (laughs) And Batman Begins was the first of the Batman movie series. Well, I can see Batman Begins, but yes, you're right, Sven, about Borderlands. Sven's backing me up here, Jay. Mm -hmm. Um, How much did you bribe him? We don't have to talk about... (laughs) I don't talk about finances. Um, Okay, so Jay is clearly to blame, he says. But I definitely blame Rob for trusting Jay on a recommendation for a game when he just gives its title. Honestly, Rob, have you not learned from the past 174 episodes, when has Jay ever remembered or said a title for a game correctly? (laughs) If it was more complicated than Pac-Man. Damn. He's got some examples, all right? Jay could never figure out the title for the second Super Mario game on SNES. He called it Yoshi's Story, Yoshi's Story 2, Super Mario Yoshi's Island 2, (laughs) but never gave the correct title, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. Naturally, neither Rob nor Blake ever corrected him. For that, they needed SNES Drunk, who clarified the issue in one of the episodes he was a guest on. The same thing happened with Baldur's Gate Dark with quote Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2 in episode 172. Jay called it Baldur's Gate 2 Dark Alliance even after he claimed he had played both of them and after Rob correcting him. Jay always referred to Advance Wars 2 Black Hole Rising as just Advance Wars or Black Hole Rising. In one episode, Rob Rob played the original Advance Wars, and while he was talking about it, from time to time, Jay would ask something like, 
Wait, so <laughs> wait, so this is Black Hole Rising, correct? <laughs> I am not joking or exaggerating. He did it three times at least and forgot Rob's clarification that no, it is the first one. <laughs> Jay, Jay, you're you're very silent. Uh, oh, I'm just listening. Okay. Jay always referred to Warcraft 3 as just Warcraft. He even became slightly annoyed when Rob sometimes tried to clarify it. Wait, so you mean Warcraft 3, right? To that, Jay would say something like, Yes, of course I mean Warcraft 3. <laughs> what else would I mean? I mean, that one is kind of fair, though. I mean, when people I, talk I about s- Warcraft. I can see that one. You're, you're right. If, but if, if, if you establish at the beginning that you're talking about Warcraft 3, then in a second, a little bit later, if you say, yeah, Warcraft, then yes, that one does. I agree. That, that one makes sense. I'm with you. Funny enough, one time Jay was kind of specific about Warcraft 3 was when both of you were doing your top 100 lists of, your top 100 lists of best games for episode 100. In his list, Jay not only put Warcraft 3, but also Warcraft 3 Frozen Throne. So clearly these were two separate games for Jay, as he not only put both the original game and expansion on his list, but also put them several places apart from each other, further reinforcing the impression that Jay felt like these are two very different games. Okay, I don't see the problem with that one, though. Am I, do, am I, do I misunderstand it or? Uh, you're asking the wrong person. Cause uh, I'll be honest with you. A lot of this stuff to me is just kind of like, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. A running joke never noticed by anyone is Jay adding a plural S to games that don't have one. For instance, he would always say dungeon keepers. Even when others said it correctly in between his statements, he also did this with other titles, though not as frequently. Roller Coasters Tycoon. No, you did not say Roller Coasters Tycoon, did you? I don't think so. I, don't I, might, I mean, I, w- I would trust him if he's saying that. Though. I think you did say Dungeon Keepers. Diablo. Yeah, I, 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 everybody, everybody who play, I play that with actually still says Dungeon Keepers. Your friends say Dungeon Keepers? Yeah, 100%. Diablo Immortals or Path of Exiles. In one Jay, in one episode, Jay played Heroes of Might and Magic Two, and took quite some. Oh, this is a classic! Actually, this is a classic moment, and took quite some time describing his experience with it, comparing it to the to the, in his opinion, superior Heroes of Might and Magic Three, and so on. In the following episode, then Jay then played Hom Three, praising it and describing it in detail. At the end of his take, he then said that he heard people praise Hom 2 and that he will take a shot at Hom 2 himself in the near future to check it out. That's actually one of my favorite parts of classic gaming history lore or classic gaming podcast lore. (laughs) So anyway, he says, so Rob, I made my hope I made my point that it should have been your responsibility to double check, blah, 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 blah. I'm not, not going to read anything, everything else here, but it's more or less. Uh, okay, here's this could be interesting. Populous came out in 1989 for the Commodore Amiga. At the same time, games came out with a printed manual that the player was supposed to study for before starting to play. Just booting up the games and clicking on things like a child, expecting to be able to make sense of it, never worked for a strategy game. Oh, he's explaining why I should have given Populous a better chance, I think. The game is rather simple, sure, but why do you expect a strategy game of 1989 with a resolution of 640 by 256 to tell you everything there is to know, 
to explain every game mechanic and every icon just by its graphical design. Did you expect this for Crusader Kings 3 as well? So be so please be fair to classic games. Sorry for the long email once again. Cheers, Sven. Um, well, first off, Crusade, uh, Crusader Kings 3 actually does a very good job of, of explaining it. Again, I realize this is because it's newer, but he seems to be implying that you have to read a manual for Crusader Kings 3 also, which... Crusader Kings 3 actually does a fantastic job of giving you tooltips upon tooltips upon tooltips which explain basically anything in the game while you're playing it. As for your points about populace, I guess uh, maybe actually Sven might have a point there. I mean, it is an old strategy game. I I, I don't think I was meaning to chastised maybe i was but in my memory i think maybe what was going on in my head was not so much that not so much the idea of this is a terrible game because it doesn't explain everything it was more like just trying to convey my sense of bewilderment not having read the manual trying to figure out and just explaining how how damn confusing it was um again whether or not it should have been is a different thing, but I was just trying to say, yeah, this is what I tried doing. I tried jumping into it and it was absolutely indecipherable for this and that reason. But yeah, I mean, yeah, fair enough. It's an old strategy game. There is no old strategy game that you can't play without, without reading the manual pretty much. So, uh, it's not really, that's, that's not unique for it in that, in that way. Okay. Well, now that, Sven has just finished roasting us. Let's go back to let's go back to Chase's email, okay? Sounds good. You wrap us up. Yep. Let me take a look. So back to Chase's email. Um, go back to the last line. So Chase says, "But enough about my thoughts on a flawed experiment." He said, "How have you both been doing, Jay? I hope you are well away from the crazy wildfires." I don't follow much international news outside of politics, but I was surprised to see the wildfire season started early in some states. There are wildfires uh, over there? Wildfires are really common here, especially as we get into the summertime. It's predominantly due to people, uh, especially right. like people doing things outdoors. But I actually did, wasn't aware that there were wildfires and I've been kind of disconnected from everything the last couple of weeks. I don't it remember sucks too. anything. The, the, the shitty part about it too is whenever there's wildfires here, that usually will extend no burn season later into the year um or short or or start no burn season sooner which means basically you can't i, I would say you can't camp i don't like to camp without a fire so whenever there's a lot of wildfires or there was a lot of, of, of season with a lot of wildfires like the first year of covid a lot of people were going outside and going camping and stuff wildfires spiked heavily and during that time no burn season was extended super late into the year oh uh, really really okay but no uh chase asked how you're doing oh, you want to good comment on that just doing good Yep. Just good. Just doing good. Cool. Uh, Chase goes on to say, I also want to apologize. Oh, excuse Robert, I also want to apologize for not writing an email for the last episode. I do sometimes get easily distracted by shiny things. And this time it came, it was a mixture of Lego Star Wars, Skywalker Saga, surprisingly great game if you like Lego games, and Jurassic World Evolution 2, which is one of those what if roller coaster tycoon just spliced some T-Rex DNA into itself kind of situations. It's not okay. Uh, yeah, right. Chase goes on to say, which brings me to my question of the day. If you've played a Park City simulator, 
Do you have an example of one of your worst failures or unexpected emergencies? Ooh. Um. The I only, got one in mind. Oh, the, go ahead. The only thing that I could think, this isn't, I don't think this is quite what he's asking for, but, and I think I've told this story before a long time ago, but when I had a friend that he and I used to both, pl- we were obsessed with SimCity on Super Nintendo for a while. And when we got home from school, we would call each other up while we played and like tell each other what was happening with our cities. And so I played that a lot and I would get the, when you don't have enough power plants, it would tell you would get a pop-up that tells you that brownouts are occurring and therefore you need to build another power plants. But the, the exact text of the pop-up is brownouts build another power plant. And I always thought that that was telling me that some group of people or some family or something named the brownouts had built me another power plant because it says brownouts build another power plant. I was like, Oh sweet. They built another power plant for me. All right, cool. So I would keep getting that message and just being like, hell yeah. (laughs) Like awesome. Cool. I don't need to do it for myself. And obviously things just got worse and worse and I never figured out why. Um, the only other thing I can think of is just for fun. After I would get a big city built, just on Super Nintendo, you could pretty much like summon Bowser. And he would just come in and stomp your city like Godzilla. That was fun. But obviously that wasn't that was not unexpected because that was something that you manually do. What do you, what do you have? Uh, I was going to say, roller coaster, you know, I've talked about before. Uh, what, I, what I do now is... You can build the the custom rides, the manual ones where you can actually build them yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And early on when I did it, I was I didn't really understand all the specifics of it. And there were a lot of times where I would finish a ride not realizing that two two pieces were not on the same level as each other. <laughs> and so the ride would open and people, you know, I talked about this later on of doing this intentionally. But yeah, yeah. Uh, early on when I first learned about it, I would, the pieces would not be on the same level. And therefore the, the patrons would launch off the ride. And if, as I talked about before, if you have a ride that crashes in Roller Coaster Tycoon, it's it's generally pretty difficult to recover from. So, and that obviously is my <laughs> fault, but it was a fun thing to learn over time. Generally, that does, yeah, that doesn't go by very well when you have rides where people flew. On, off. I, on, it's very surprising to me. I don't, I don't. People need to you know set their expectations. <laughs> they need to check themselves a little bit, if you will. But I do remember something like kind of similar. To, like it wasn't a catastrophic thing, but uh, but I do remember building a ride and just thinking like, you know, the first time I built one on there and just thinking, oh, okay, so this, whatever I build, the roller coaster follows the track, but oh, not no. reeling that they're not realizing that there's physics involved. I just didn't think, just didn't know that that was programmed yeah. into the game. So I would just have not even anything big and major, but just like a steep incline with like, if you have, you can have that, but you have to have the special kind of tracks that'll carry it up. And then, so I wouldn't have that, and then the roller coaster would go, and then just get stuck at the bottom just of the incline. Stuck, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> people are just sitting there stuck. I'm like, oh, okay, I see. You have to actually, you have to actually plan these out in a way that makes sense. I have definitely done that myself, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, kind of like wobble back and forth for a second. What so I love is like when you find out too, because if you don't see it, you'll get a notice like. Patron 365 has been on a roller coaster for two hours and they're pissed off. And you're like, what? And then you look over and you're like, oh, yeah, that was me. You know, a strategy for Roller Coaster Tycoon was to, if there there was like a mode you could play where there were competing parks next to you. Oh, yeah. And there, one strategy is to have your, one of your roller coasters just end 
at their park. So it launches people into their park and they all die. And it counts as a death for that park. <laughs> so nobody throw bodies over at them. Yeah. So nobody Warfare. wants to go there. Yeah. Cause nobody wants to go to theirs because people are dying there because you're just launching people to their, to their death over to that park. And so that, you know, makes them go down and, and it boosts yours. That's actually super fun. I've heard that before. That is actually so great though. Yeah. That's good. All right. Back to chase. Oh, right. I was waiting for you to read. Yeah. Uh, which brings me, Oh, we already went through that piece of it. Uh, I got a bit. Uh, for myself, uh, he says for myself, it was okay. So he's asking what's our, what our failures and stuff is. He says for myself, it was Jurassic world evolution two. Uh, I got a bit overexcited with the discovery of some gigantosaurus DNA and rushed the growth of a pack of these things to make as a centerpiece for my financially struggling park. So far, I think that's a solid, a solid strategy. That's me talking. He says, the money I threw into extracting and altering that DNA should have been saved for proper electric fencing and security. Oh, no. <laughs> because when I dropped four of these monsters into a cage at once, the whole herd of them found a small hole in the fence and busted through. It took over two months to recapture them all <laughs> after dozens of park visitors had been eaten. I even had to do surgery on, on two of those dinos to remove active cell phones they had swallowed while eating visitors. That's awesome. I didn't know there, I actually didn't know there was a second one of these. It must have just come out. I, I knew of the first one. When working with dinosaurs, always anticipate chaos. That's it for me. Thank you, as always. Thanks for this part of your show. Cheers and talk again soon, Chase Night Cleaner. Thanks, Chase. Thank you, Chase. It's always great to hear from you. Um, Jay, we want to talk about uh, current. I know, I think you do, and I think I do too. Real quick, current gaming subcast. Yeah. So uh, obviously, but while while transitioning, moving, the only thing I had access to is the Switch, and I wanted to play another roguelike style game, roguelite. Roguelite, yeah, it's Roguelite, technically. Um, and I bought Risk Rain, too. And I think you and I kind of messaged a little bit back and forth on this. I haven't played, like, oh, a ton. Okay. I probably yeah. played, like, 15 hours or so. But it is a really fun game to just sit down and knock out a couple runs and die a bunch of times. And it is just such a fun game. Like, the mechanics of it, the uh, the character designs are refreshing and unique from character to character to character. The interactions on the map, like, where you can do certain events and collect items and you know, level, quote unquote, level your character up and get different relics that empower your character. It's really fun. I feel like it's a, a more in-depth um, approach of, of um, Hades almost. Like obviously it's really? a, a third third person shooter. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's more depth in the, the variants and the runs in terms of like, you have to be very adaptive to the relics that you're given. But also the shop mechanic in that game, you you purchase a lot in that game. Like you in a in a single run, you'll probably buy somewhere between forty and fifty different relics. But there are certain quote unquote shops that allow you to decide between a couple different things to purchase from. Um, you can also choose to upgrade certain ones or do certain events that may challenge you in order to get different ones. I, I really appreciate that because it also the based on the relics you get early on, from my perspective, that sort of drives how you are going to play out that run. And then kind of build your character. Obviously, towards the end, you just kind of have a bunch of different things. And, and it's going to be watered down a little bit. But in the early phases, you know, if you get a lot of healing, right? It's like, okay, well, I'm going to try and do... I have to play a little bit differently based on having a lot of healing. Or I have no healing and I have a ton of damage. Or I have a bunch of, you know, different um, 
mechanics that that proc off something dying. So maybe I'll spot a bunch of enemies, run them around, group them up, kill one of them to proc an on-death mechanic that interacts with the rest of them and does like a chain effect. There, it, it's been very interesting to try the different runs. Also, there are a lot of different characters. I only have five, I think, right now. And there are different... Uh, so you have like four or five primary buttons that you can use to do different effects. There are variants to those four or five different buttons, which adds even more depth to it, which is just crazy to me. One of my favorite things is the game progresses, allows you to progress at your own pacing. So there's a meter at the top that says like easy, and it will slowly tick over to medium and then hard. And, and the idea there is you can advance the level as frequently as you want within reason, obviously. Um, but obviously you don't want to do it too aggressively without farming because you'll die, but you don't want to wait too long because you know the next world might be too difficult for you. My favorite part about it though, is it says the the difficulty meter goes like easy, medium, hard, insane, crazy. It does all these different ones. And then it says like, I'm watching you in all capitals. And then the very last one just says, ha 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 ha, like for, I don't know, like 50 or 60 characters of just ha 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 in all capitals. That is the last difficulty of the game. And obviously at that point, the game gets insane. It just, there's so much shit going on on the screen at one time. Like you cannot sit still. My, my favorite thing about this game is just you are constantly in motion. When you are playing, you are in there. Like your brain is completely locked into it. And it's just, it's so much fun. And when you get done, you're like, whoo, I need to smoke a cigarette, even though I don't smoke cigarettes. It's just like, you just need a minute <laughs> to cool off, step outside. And then you're anyways. like, plug me back in. Like I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it again. It is a, and the music, by the way, the music is, is, is beautiful. It's, it's very subtle at times. It ramps up the right times. It is an incredible game, and it's like twenty dollars or something on Switch. It is it is really fun so far. It's it's a nice game to, to just spend a couple hours playing. Um, I, I, that's, I'm interested. It's interesting to hear that you liked it so much because I actually didn't like. I thought it was okay. For for me, like I liked the first Risk of Rain a lot. This one, again, it was pretty fun. I, and I would if somebody was like, "Hey, you want to play?" I'd, I would definitely do it. But I felt a little bit more like this one, like all the. All the power-ups, I felt like I didn't really have to change what I my, my strategy based on the power-ups I was getting, even though I was getting like kind of a wide variety of stuff. I feel like it didn't really like I it didn't really affect how I was playing, and I didn't really have to That's think about it. That's why you didn't beat much. it, dude. You know what pissed me off so bad? I almost beat it, and mm-hmm. at the very end, how far have you gotten? Oh, I've gotten very far. Okay. I've, I've almost cleared it a few times. So. so there's one thing that happens at the very end that caused me to die that I just felt like was such bullshit. And uh, I was three seconds away from beating the game. I haven't been able to go back to it. That's uh, that's really sad. I died right at the... I, I think I died at the last boss. I think it was the last boss. Uh, and I was really pissed. I, I was pissed because I, I died. I wasn't really mad at the mechanics of it because I, I thought it was kind of cool. But it definitely... Every time I every time I die in that game, I'm like, I know what I did wrong. That was me. I can't wait to play again. Let's go. Yeah. Is it bedtime? It's not bedtime? All right, let's do another run. <laughs> um, the game I thought you were about to talk about is Triangle Strategy. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot even played that. Um, so we've both been yeah. playing this. I actually finished it uh, a couple nights ago. And we, what are your I, overall thoughts right now? So I talked about this a little bit on the last episode also. I didn't talk about it enough because I, I figured I would talk about it with you as well. Um, I think the battles are good and the story sucks. I don't hate the story. Really? I think it's 
Okay, it's it, uh, the one thing I don't like um, is the love story between Sarah Noah and Frederica. I think it's really like childish and kind of boring. Um, I find certain characters interesting. I find really? other characters not interesting. That's what to me, every character in the game is extremely one dimensional to the point that, is that you always know exactly what a character is going to say or do in any given situation because of how predictable and, and non nuanced they are. That is a fair criticism for sure. Um, so yeah, I felt like that and like a whole lot of cliche stuff, like people saying, Oh, this is all my fault for, you know, this or that, like typical. That's Frederica. (laughs) Yeah. That's her. Frederica's a MO right there. Um, and, and what makes it worse is that there's 30 minutes of cutscenes between every battle, like anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes of cutscenes, even they, spend so damn long on the cutscenes and telling the story. And it's just not that good. Like, I don't mind. I don't mind it not being good. Cause uh, you know, if the gameplay is good enough, which it is, then that's fine. And I like the game overall because the battles are really fun, but it, it's a tactical RPG. We should mention, I don't know if we said that yet, but the, no, um, did, but... but the story is just, the story, like the the overall plot is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's just the fact that all the characters are 100% predictable, very cliche, and again, like very one-dimensional that it, because of that, the story just feels almost like it doesn't even matter. It just feels like inconsequential. So, yeah. but they spend so much time on it anyways, 30 minutes. I'm not exaggerating between any two given battles. There's typically at least 30 minutes of cutscenes. Yeah, there, there is a, so there's a couple things about this game. So there's, there's a, a number of different activities you do at the game. One of them is very story driven. There is a lot of story, a lot of cutscenes. There is doing the battles. Uh, there is doing the encampment stuff. The encampment stuff has helped. It, it, all these different activities are to quote unquote break the game up so that it doesn't get super boring. Because if you just do battle after battle, obviously the game's going to run its course really quickly. The idea is to break it up a little bit. It, and to your point, a lot of it does get kind of boring. You have to be vested in the story for it to be interesting, which I agree with you. There are certain parts of the story that were very, very boring. And it was hard to, to kind of trudge through it, especially if certain characters were heavily involved in it. It is not my favorite RPG of all time, but I appreciate it for what it is. And, you know, it it's not, uh, I'm actually, I, I haven't beat it yet. I'm getting close to the end of it. I will probably do some new game plus stuff just to see it a little bit more. I am playing on the hard difficulty, which has made it a little bit more interesting because there you can't just grind your way through it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, oh, you're playing on hard. Wow. That's pretty, that's yeah. pretty good. Because some of those battles are. They're tough. Really They're very tough. tough. I have died many, many times. So. Yeah. Um, I just played it on normal and, but yeah, I, I'm not saying the game is overall bad. Like I said, I mean, I finished it. I thought it was, I thought it was like, I kind of feel the same way overall that you do. Like generally it's not the best, but it's like, it's solid. It's pretty good. Yeah, has some good, has some good spot, good parts to it. Some bad parts, but, um, I didn't, I, I completely stopped doing all of the optional story. Like there are even oh, like really? story scenes that are optional. And I just completely stopped watching those because when I realized how how little I cared about the story just because it wasn't interesting me, 
I was like, well, I wanted, I wanted to, I didn't skip the main ones. Um, you know, I, you can just fast forward through them if you want. I didn't do that because I still wanted to know like what was happening, but at the same time, there are on top of those, there are optional cutscenes that you can just skip entirely. And I, I just didn't watch any of those because they, they're just like little side stories that, that don't affect the, the, the main plot. And again, it just wasn't doing it for me. So I, I completely stopped watching those, but again, I do think the game is over is good overall just because the combat's really fun. Yeah, I think it's a fair fair de- description of it overall. And you also get there are, there are some parts where uh you choose you have to like make a decision about what you're going to do and some of those decisions this some of them are pretty easy and pre- kind of no-brainers but there are some pretty tough ones like what's your strategy going to be going forward are you going to do this or that are you going to like align with these guys or these guys? Um, and and you're, it's not just your decision too, right? Your your yeah. units vote on the decision, which for me, that's what really spanked me. There were some big ones that I wanted to do X and they wanted to do Y and put us at a really, really shitty spot. So That's interesting. There was only one where I wasn't able to convince them to do the thing that I wanted to do. I, I've only had two where I've been able to convince them to do what I want to do. Really? I yeah, I think it's a difficulty, difficulty. thing. Yeah, because yeah. Lisa, Lisa was like, oh, why, why didn't you do this thing? And I'm like, because my, te- my partners didn't want to. And she's like, oh, mine did. And I'm like... What difficulty are you playing on? Just like normal? I'm like, yeah, I think it has to do with difficulty. It has to do, and, and there are some like hidden things, like some choices you make and things you like, sometimes you'll talk to a person, like talk to a like an NPC and, and that was, that was, that you didn't necessarily have to talk to, but they'll give, give you some information that you can then use to help convince people of stuff. So there's a little bit of that going on. It's not just, there, there are factors that make it, that change whether or not the people who are you with are going to agree with you, whether you can convince them of things, but sure. whenever, but, but whenever you, uh, this is for the listeners, whenever you are making one of these big decisions in the game, the way it works is your whole like crew votes on it basically. And even though you're in charge of everybody, you still have to go with the vote. So what you're trying to do is, is talk to people, talk to everybody that you're with beforehand. And like, you know, it's, I think it's seven people, well, I guess it varies, but however many people are voting, you get a chance to talk to them and, and you have dialogue options where you can try to convince them that the thing you want to do is the best choice. And then, you know, you get your chance to do all that and then everybody votes and you got to do whatever the vote comes out to. But so that's the mechanic that's that's going on there. And that's that's a pretty neat little thing, too. Um, but overall, I just thought the uh, the battles are great. I, I mean, obviously, it's very Final Fantasy Tactics esque and. uh with battle wise, I feel like they, they, they pretty much nailed it. Jay, is that it? We have anything else? Not this time. Not thinking of there's some other games I'm playing right now, or I'm starting to play right now, but I'll talk about those more next time. Probably. This is a long ass episode. I think people are, is it given how we started at one? We started, at, we've been going about for three like, hours. Yeah. Just about three hours. I think, um, well, thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate it. Um, again, our next game of the quarter is, uh, is uh, I almost said Final Fantasy Black. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted Metal Black. Um, follow us at Class Gamescast. Follow me at King Octavius. Um, leave us awesome reviews on iTunes. Tell all of your friends to, uh, to listen to us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, is there anything else? Um, mail at com is our email address email us about whatever you uh, want to email us about thank you everybody for listening we should okay 
We should be back in about three weeks. As I said, we might be a little bit longer because now I'm moving. Um, but we will. Uh, I'm gonna try to not let that get in the way. If if so, hopefully it'll just be like one extra week or something like that. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.